0: I don't believe there's any alliances in the group at the moment. I'm trusting my instincts that's the case. I always said, you know, well, well, uh, you know, I want to go to the end. You know, I really, really, really want to go to the end. I want to be here and experience this outright to the end. Daring to go over the complete history of Australian Survivor from Whaler's Way right through to the current day. And after a great couple of interviews, we're back into an episode recap of season one. We are up to episode 10. And let me do this in my best Oprah. Here's a threat. She's a threat. We're all threats. First aired on the 24th of april 2002 and we've been waiting for this one this is the episode where there are no more kadina we are tapara strong it's all about the blue and it's going to be very interesting from this point on just like this episode is very interesting plenty to get to we're excited we're pumped up as always we're going to start by introducing ourselves my name is ben waterworth and giddy up Oprah Waterworth. What, what an impression. <laughs> you never let us down on this podcast,
1: Ben. Hey, guys. As you know, my name's Matt Dyson. And, uh, yeah, we're here to recap episode 10, uh, day 28 to 30. And giddy up all right. We, we see a lot in this episode, don't we, Ben? We see James got the shits with Joel. I think, well, let's be honest, everyone's got the shits with Joel in this episode. We have, uh, Katie gives one more dig to Craig, even though he's no longer on the, uh, on the show, and have plenty of got. We got your challenge, and I'm sure you're going to want to talk about. You've been mentioning God. it all season about this challenge, which we're going to have a lot to talk about. Do I agree, Ben? I don't know. We're going to have to wait and see my opinion because uh, you have called it the worst challenge in history, but uh, it's it's an interesting episode.
0: Yeah, I think. You know, we, we've talked at length about how this season really amps up from here, and it does. But I think this this episode a really interesting one. That it's maybe not as brilliant as you're going to think it's going to be. Like, kind of, there isn't this automatic collapse, but it's it's still kind of laying enough groundwork and seeds. And there's a few what if scenarios in this episode because I mean, there's one big what if scenario. And let's straight away right now, it's Joel should have gone home this episode. But he wins immunity. Now, if Joel goes home in this episode, this whole season probably would have been different. Because we don't have the Joel deal next week. Then what's going to happen? So, yeah, it's it's incredibly interesting, this episode, in so many layers. And I think it's it's kind of got a lot of different interesting elements to it. It's, it's a bit higgledy-piggledy with the editing, I will say. I, I won't say this is the most tightly edited episode that I've ever seen, because... There does leave a lot to be desired with The Boot, with Lance. But having said that, got to say this right now, this is the very first blindside in Australian Survivor history because if you analyse every single vote out to this point, it's kind of known who's going home in many aspects. I don't think there's ever a surprise of who's going home until now. So, yeah, while this is a bit weird, this episode, when it comes to the editing, I think that's important. And visually, Matt, this is... Probably the best episode of this season Because visually, absolutely gorgeous this episode We talked about this a couple of weeks ago with the cinematography How it looked recently But the weather was perfect in this episode There's some great shots in this episode uh, So it's got that for it And as you mentioned though, the challenge The worst challenge in the history of any Survivor ever I'm sorry, this is going to cause a lot of talking in this episode And if you don't agree with me I have lost a new level of respect for you (laughs)
1: Look, we'll talk about that later. But you're right that the, the sun is out on Whaler's Way. We've got the bikini bods are out. We've got people bathing nude. Um, it, it, it's all happening. But it does seem weird that there's no longer any Kadena members. We we spent so much time, you know, getting to know these these characters, and it, it's it's the part of the show, isn't it? It's it's at the nitty gritty now. They're down to the last seven Tapara members. Look. Lance goes home this episode and it's a little hard to it's a little hard to sort of talk up Lance in this episode because we know he's such a nice guy but even what by day 29 30 he's still talking about there's no alliances so it does make it hard to sort of talk Lance up to say you know he maybe shouldn't have gone home because by that stage he should have known um but he goes out gracefully we'll cover all that later but um you know it it starts off that the episode starts off fantastic you've got a little uh scene there with lance and joel talking about um about what their thoughts were with craig and and how basically they thought he was just uh, stirring the pot which of course we now know craig was uh he was right all along he was telling them the truth
0: And we talked about this with Craig a couple of weeks ago, of course. It's sort of, it's leaving that, uh, you know, those remnants of him there. And this is what was so brilliant about Craig that we're literally getting this straight away. And I actually really like that little moment between Joel and Lance. It's kind of, it's a perfect bridging point, I feel, from all that drama that Craig's caused right into what we're getting now. Because let's be honest, if Lance and Joel had listened to Craig and done something about it, then we might not have had... Upa gonging and Craig might still be in the game. Naomi, Karen, they still might be in the game. So I kind of like that little moment because it, it just shows the level of these two. And I particularly like the way that Joel is kind of like, oh yeah, I was I was listening a bit to him, and but then I thought, nah nah, can't be that wrong. Like, got to say, like we're going to be talking a lot about Joel. This would be the most we've talked about Joel all season to this point. He's kind of the Sophie of this week, where kind of I haven't seen a whole lot of him, and here he is now. Um, But, yeah, he's an interesting guy, this episode. But I I don't know. There's two moments pre-reward here, which are uh, nice little moments in terms of alliances. You don't even call this an alliance, but between characters, pairs. And this one here, it's subtle. It's not as big as the next one we're going to talk about. But, yeah, I like it. I like them just sitting there having a bit of a conversation.
1: And it's interesting. I I don't know if you realise or if people realise how close Lance and Joel were because... It hits Joel pretty hard when Lance gets voted out. You, you can see that Joel didn't know it was coming. So they, there was definitely a, a good bond and a strong relationship between those two, which we, we didn't get to see a real lot um, during the editing. I also like the, the confessional by Shona as well, where she's we find out that she actually told Craig, we didn't know this, we uh, she told Craig that she was going to vote for him at the last Tribal Council and that Craig warned her not to because it was basically it was a dead vote there was no point in her blowing up her game so um, that explains why in the end after all Shona saying that she wouldn't vote for Craig she ends up voting for him but uh, she did mention too I like that she's um, Shona actually says that hey Craig was telling the truth and he's trying to wise up some of these tribe members that doesn't know what's going on and uh, of course we know that uh, unfortunately those players
0: didn't get wised up. And you and I were talking a little bit about this off air. This, um, my bad as a podcast host and researcher that I actually asked that question to Craig. Were you surprised that Shona, uh, ended up voting for you? If I had watched the first two minutes of this episode, Ben, I would have had an answer to that one. But, um, yeah, I actually really like that little moment from Shona, too. I like the fact that here she is just basically, you know, telling the audience flat out that, like, well, Craig was right. Um, and it's mm-hmm. kind of like we didn't see that when he was still even in a confessional. And, you know, slight props to Shona there of kind of, You know, I think maybe just holding that back until, you know, 100% knows that he's gone because Craig talked a little bit about it in his interview that he he was wise to what the producers would do if he told them something. Uh, Which I feel, can I just quickly on a side note, that really gave me a new level of appreciation to Craig because in US Survivor, I'm a huge fan of Danny Boatwright's win. Because it's well known that Danny Boatwright basically held back in telling the producers anything because she knew how that works in the game. And some people, I think Johnny Fairplay said he thinks that's cheating. Other people think that's bad. I think that's brilliant. You are manipulating a television show that you are on. At the end of the day, this is a television show. If you can manipulate the product that you are on... That is genius. That is a whole new level of thinking of how to win the game. So for Craig to admit that to me, that was—I loved hearing that from him. Uh, so that's just a side note. So I'm wondering if Shona, kind of bringing this up now, that was slightly something similar on her thought process.
1: And I completely agree with Craig that uh, you know you, you you're going on there to, to win five hundred thousand dollars. You're not caring you know, well, you shouldn't care how the actual show's going. Your goal should be to win that money. So if that means keeping quiet to producers about, um, you know, what's actually going on, well, well if, that, if that's going to help your game, well, good on you. Obviously, it it can probably lead to not the best TV. And, and look, production would be wary of that too when they're probably casting people. So they're going to cast people, especially these days, they're going to cast people that they know is going to want to talk and and. and talk a lot on camera but um but yeah i i think craig played a great game i think he's spot on shona um obviously um mentions it as well that um you know so yeah it's it's fascinating but um i'm also fascinated about robin shona uh sorry robin sophie in this episode this is another
0: pretty big episode for sophie Yeah, no, I agree. Just just quickly while you're on that point though, it's it's an interesting point you say about how it might not necessarily make for TV, and I I think that's incredibly true because a lot of people criticize Danny's season of Guatemala, spoiler alert if you haven't seen it. uh, old joke from the Survivor Oz days for people who some weirdly follow what I'm talking about. But you know, a lot of people criticize her win because you like oh, she didn't do anything, you know, you don't know. But like it can make for bad TV, but it's one of these things that we've talked about before. When you unearth it a little bit, you kind of hear these stories. It makes it interesting and all of a sudden you can appreciate it a little bit more. And this is clearly, again, let's get into bashing Channel 10, Ben Waterworth, is that this is where I think a lot of the criticism for my behalf comes on the Channel 10 version is because it is all flash and no substance. It's, you know, we've got these players who are, oh, I'm going to come out and blindside and do this and do this and do this, and they are gone by episode 12. And you're like, well, what was the point of that? We've got a couple of weeks of entertainment, but for what? And that's where you kind of have people on All Stars where you question a quarter of the cast because, well, what did they do besides being a bit flashy? Uh, Again, don't get me wrong, there are merits to that. I'm not saying that that's a bad thing because I get it. The game has developed, and let's be honest, people watch Survivor more so for that now than anything else, and that's fantastic. That's great. I'm glad that people enjoy that, and I'm glad that the show is successful because of that. Someone like me, though... I like to appreciate different layers of a game and I'm not going to appreciate a player who is all just about this, that and everything else rather than actually thinking about levels. That's why I can appreciate the golden god now when at the beginning I'm thinking that this guy is just a flash in the pan, get a good sound bite on camera and he's going to go out in a fizzle. Boom, he's proved me completely wrong second time around. I love the man and he's arguably one of, if not the greatest Australian Survivor player of all time on all the layers that he can produce. It's important to remember too, I mean, you said it, reality TV's come
1: a long way since 2001 and, and they they need those those sound grabs, those sound bites these days. They need players that are a bit quirky, that are willing to talk up a big game in confessionals, that are willing to do crazy moves, even if it's not best for their game they're so careful in in casting these people. They know, they know what, by the time they do all the psych testing, all all the interviews, all that, they know exactly what sort of person they're getting. So, you know, you'd have to be a very good liar to get through all that and then get on the show and then be willing not to say too much. I'm sure it can happen, but these days they're looking for certain people. Craig mentioned it about how they not they've got you know sixteen or these days twenty four up on a wall twenty four sort of roles up on a wall and they fill those different roles there'll be a villain there'll be a hero you know probably a couple of heroes there'll be the, you know the mother They'll, they have exactly that but they they know what they're getting from it from a player and it is hard that you know you get you're in front of the camera you're on a TV show you want to give good content. Um, they're asking you a lot of questions. There's obviously a lot of the stuff doesn't make it to air. They ask you a lot of questions. You, You know, you can be there for half an hour talking and they might only show five seconds of what you say. So it's hard to just sit there and not respond to stuff that they're asking. I don't know how much in this season they were in the confessionals. They, I don't know how long and how many questions they were asking these contestants, probably not as much as they do now. You know, now they really go hard on, on the confessional questions. So It's a different game, but um, look, Craig did a good job. He had had the right mindset, I think, for this style of game, but I don't know if you'd get away with that
0: now. And let's bring up the beautiful C word that we like to bring up generally every single week, the context of the situation, and we've talked about this a lot. Reality TV in 2002 was a lot more about the reality. It was a lot more about realism, Everybody watching reality TV thought this was completely real. Nothing was manufactured. So they wanted to see the realistic part of it. Whereas today, 18 years later, we we know what reality TV is. Most people know that it is an entertainment product. Yeah, for the most part, we've got, you know, 24 Australians battling it out, living off the conditions and that, but... As we've constantly talked about, we don't give a fuck if they can't eat rice. You know, there's not enough rice. We we can't give a fuck if they can't sleep in the ground. We want to see people going around pulling moves, you know, blindsiding people, all this kind of stuff. And this is where I think it all ties into what we're talking about with this episode. This is the very first blindside in Australian Survivor history. And yet, if you were to show this episode to somebody who has only ever watched the Channel 10 version... they would find this so completely different. They would be like, what the fuck are you talking about? How's that a blindside? That wasn't dramatic. There wasn't 18 cues of the most dramatic music you're ever going to hear over Tribal Council. It was done in a fizzer. And you're like, oh, that's it? And that's where we are today compared to where we were there. And it's important to mention that this episode, Blindside, how this would be edited in 2020, I mean, God, this would be a dramatic central for Channel 10. that would be pulling out all the pipes for their dramatic music that they love. I think not only did Lance get blindsided, we kind of got blindsided we too did. because it, you're right. It, you
1: know, there was really no reason for Lance going home in this episode. It didn't get edited that he was going to be going home. Um, you know, he was. Yeah, there, there was no sort of reason. It, it just didn't see a reason for the people to want to pick Lance. I know that obviously Joel was the main one that were going to go for, and I've got no doubt if Joel doesn't win immunity, he does go home, but. You know, they never really covered off, well, why wasn't it Jane? You know, why Lance? And I think Lance, you're right. It's the first blindside in Australian Survivor history. Lance was definitely in shock. You know, he he, he, he took it like a man,
0: but he was definitely in shock. And that's the thing, too, um, where I go back to the point where this is a very weirdly edited episode because there's nothing wrong with a viewer blindside when you don't know who's going home. That can bring you some of the best episodes of Survivor. I think... To US Survivor, someone Del Sir, Jeremy Going Home. I think back in the Survivor Oz days, we did an article where we did the top 10 viewer blindsides. And that came across. And there's one that just jumps to mind right now. There's been a few to date this episode of Winners at War. I'm not going to say who they are because I know, Matt, you haven't caught up on it. And some of our listeners might not have caught up on it as well. But like when it's done well and there's a viewer blindside, that's great. But this episode, not done brilliantly... Um, again, you're right. Like it's, it's a bit of a blindside for us, but Lance only had one confessional in this episode. And I think the point with that is, is that the confessional he has is arguably one of the most famous confessionals of this season. And we'll get to that. And I'm sure we'll get to that with Lance next week as well. I'm sure he has not ever had that brought up to him in an interview ever after this episode, but there still needed to be some Cause I think there was so much focus on Joel and Jane this episode that you lose sight on it. Like it is a very odd way of showing a blind side.
1: It's all good having a viewer blind side, but you've also got to have a reason or there's got to be something shown to, for us to understand why it happened or why Jane didn't get voted out. That's that's the only issue I had with it. I don't I have no issue with a viewer blind side. I like them. Sometimes I Holy shit, didn't see that coming, been watching it for the last hour. never thought that was going to happen. But it's got to be a reason or something in there to say, okay, this is what someone someone has put his name out there. Someone's targeting him. I just didn't feel like this episode had it. I think, you know, it was either going to be Joel or Jane and then just, and it was weird because then Lance is all of a sudden, he's talking up Jane. I mean, that wasn't great for his game because you think, well, if he, surely he would have known it was either going to be Joel or Jane. Once Joel won the immunity, wouldn't you think then Lance would kind of try to put, Jane under the bus, but once again, it just showed... We we said it on on this podcast, we said that Lance is possibly the nicest person (laughs) in history, and I think if anyone's ever questioned that, well, just look at that. He could have easily put Jane under the bus. I mean, all four tyres under it, but he didn't. In the end, he talks her
0: up. Yeah, very true. And and let's be honest, we've talked about this too. Uh, You know, a big criticism of this season is that a lot of the time, the vote-outs are not, I think, edited that well. And look, that could just come down to the fact that maybe there aren't the conversations to show. Like, here we are criticising it, but there might not be there. I think kind of it's gotten better and there are definitely definitely subtle ones along the way. But maybe it's a Tapara thing too. Because this is the first time we've seen Tapara go to Tribal Council since Episode 4. So... You know, uh, it's it's and when I say that, I mean they were there the last three weeks. But in terms of just all to para because obviously all the Kadena are gone now. So yeah, it's um it's interesting. We'll get to a little more of this along the way, of course. Uh, good good little side tangent there, Matt. Doing well. I like none of these brilliant second. Can I can I attempt a Matt Dyson segue? Hang on, let me just backtrack from there. Um, we'll talk a little bit about that along the way as well, because speaking of wells, there's water in them and. Water needs to go under the bridge between Katie and Rob. Hey, there we go. Does that See, work a little bit? No, the me- perfect segue. You are the king of the
1: segue,
0: so no, um. no, 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 no. You've got the crown, Matt. But I, actually, I will say though, before we get to that, you you brought up Sophie and, and Rob. That is an interesting little bit too. There's also a fantastic. We talked. I talked about how great visually this episode looked. There's a sunrise shot of Sophie and Rob walking along the rocks beautiful gorgeous this this episode just ticks all the boxes for for cinematography but yeah it's it's a little interesting moment with Rob and Sophie because it's sort of they're talking a little bit about Craig we've got Sophie kind of saying she's a bit skeptical of Katie because this is where Rob mentions that Craig sort of came to me yesterday and said this and that he had a deal with Katie now we brought that up with Craig because Katie mentions that in the reunion but when Craig had that great idea to say, I've got a deal with someone, we never saw that on camera that the person he's claiming to have a deal with is Katie. So I love, again, the remnants of Craig's devious schemes, uh, the creep that is Craig, according to Katie, <laughs> it, it's still here. And like, you're right. Like you mentioned before this, Sophie's still really interesting this episode because we never really see this, let's be honest, kind of, How this is all going to end eventually playing out, Sophie's always going to be kind of on Team Katie anyway, but again, who knows? If Joel had gone this episode, yeah, no, this is a golden what-if scenario with Sophie because it could have been completely different.
1: Just quickly, is there any other name left that Katie could have called Craig? (laughs) Is she... She literally called him every name under the sun. And the poor bloke isn't even there anymore. And and she probably leaves the best one to last.
0: A creep. You that's just <laughs> calling someone a creep. Great line. Matt, Matt, last episode, you'll hear all the other names that Katie have, has in her vocabulary when it comes to calling out other people. Because trust me, these are calm compared to what she's going to call oh. Rob in about three oh. weeks' time. So you have, I have to laugh. I mean, when I see
1: Katie, just all all these names she comes up with, and oh. there's always something different. It's, she never goes back to the same yes. one. It's, uh, that's what I think. It's funny. It's she, it, she doesn't just stick with you know calling Craig a scumbag or a snake. She just every confessional just mixes us up a little bit. It gradually gets a little bit worse until a point. Craig's a creep. She's gold. Literally, yeah. her name that is Katie. But with Katie, she has to do a lot of sucking up to Rob here. she She's scrambling. I, I, is this the first time we've really seen Katie scrambling pretty Absolutely. hard? Like she, she's worried. Like, there's no doubt she's genuinely worried about her position in the game at this point, and, and she goes straight to Rob, and she tells him. She, she lays it all out for him, says, you know, I've put all my loyalty and trust in him from the very start. Like, she's telling him that, and... That you know, now she knows Rob's sour and bitter about it and upset and she's got she's got a lot of convincing
0: to do. You know what's fantastic too about this whole sequence is I love Rob's moment with Sophie, when Sophie basically says you know about Katie and saying, like, oh, you know, this clearly isn't good for you and then Rob's basically like, Well, it kind of is because this actually gives me an excuse uh, that I can cut her throat down the line. And then we get that confessional from Rob where he kind of, you know, says like, hey, I'm going to have to cut her throat eventually. And this this is all in the plan. We know sort of throughout this, and we've talked a lot about how Rob's never planning on going to the end with Katie. It's all about going getting to the end with Shona. And Craig talked a little bit about the other week, of course, about how, you know, Rob was easily able to manipulate Katie. And I think what's important, though, with this situation here is that Katie, you're right, first time she's able to scramble. She has to scramble. But I think for someone who, I guess, has been manipulated by Rob, you, you know, Rob could easily just cut her at this point or basically, you know, not need Because Rob doesn't need Katie really at this point. Let's be honest. Rob does not need Katie anymore. Not at all. He's He's kind of working in with Shona. He's worked in with Sophie. He's made deals with all of them. If, if Katie goes right now, that's one person that's going to be pissed off on the jury for sure, but Rob does not need Katie anymore if, if that's the, the way. I think Katie is smart here by still trying to stick around here, though, because as she says here, she's put all her eggs in one basket with Rob here. That's her way to the end. Let's kind of again play that what-if scenario that if we get to the final four, Katie wins the final two immunities. Rob, what does Rob do then? It's all, you know, again, you, like it's. I'm not just trying to take away from Rob's game here at all because Rob is incredible in this game. One of the best. Again, he's up there with David. Him and David, Between him and David, the best of all time. But again, you've got to ride the luck. Of course you've got to ride the luck. But, you know, a few things go differently. Katie wins a couple things at the end. His plan's screwed. So my point here that I'm trying to get to is that Rob does not need Katie anymore. Rob could easily right now wash his hands with Katie Nothing changes in my perspective.
1: I'll slightly disagree with you because I think in Survivor, when you're a big player and you're making decisions or you're sort of running the tribe, you you do need a shield. And I think that Katie was Rob's shield. So I can't sit here and say I agree that he could have easily just got rid of her this vote and he still would have won because – Surely people would have said, okay, Katie's gone now. Well, who's the next biggest threat? And Rob was always a threat. People knew it. They just didn't act on it. So I think in the end it was actually perfect for Rob to keep Katie around for as long as he did because I think, I think it was just too early to get rid of her now. With, with seven members left, he gets rid of her. It's down to six players. Rob becomes vulnerable. So I, I do have to disagree with you on that one.
0: Look, and I, I can't disagree with what you're saying there either because that, that's a very valid point. My, my argument to that would be is that, yes, you're right. Again, Katie's a shield, but I I don't really think that that idea was kind of used in Survivor at this point. And I also think that no one, literally no one in Tapara, ever brings up Rob's name as a threat from this point because you literally have people saying to him, if I don't win, I want you to win, or I'm going to the end with you. And I think that he's from what we're at least seeing, we're seeing his conversations more with Shona and Sophie now as kind of like a, Oh, you know, I want to go to the end with you. Yeah. I'm going to go to the end with you. I know Katie said this, but I'm not really going to go there. So I, I kind of think Shona hundred percent knows that they're accurate. They're in tight. hundred percent. He's not losing Shona. I think he's got Sophie on board enough because clearly in this episode, Sophie's starting to doubt Katie a little bit, easily there enough. Jane's going to do whatever Jane's going to do lance is going to do and like we see this in this episode that lance and rob have formed a very close relationship in this episode and joel joel's going to do what joel's going to do so i think rob i mean Rob's. let's be honest here matt no matter what you and i say here rob is in the absolute most amazing position because literally everyone on this tribe is working with rob and no one's going to go against him he's in the best position
1: he is, but don't forget he's got votes against him. And in this old school version of Survivor, past votes did count. And that would have been weighing on his mind. So they get rid of Lance. It's down to six members. Who's to say that then Joel, you know, um, bloody, you know, who knows? Shona could have turned on him or Sophie could have turned on him with Jane. Like, And it ends, ends up being a 3-3. Three, three. And Rob would have gone home if, if they if three of them decided to vote Rob because he does have the most past votes. So with Lance going, that means Rob had the most. So it's 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 something that would have been planned on on his mind when he's making these decisions. And Rob, don't underestimate Rob. I know you said that it was you know people weren't thinking about Shields back then, but Rob he he mentions it in this episode. He loves scamming. He loves he loves it. He's always thinking. And he, he, i got no doubt he would have been thinking of that. Well, I've got votes on me. Even even if it's a tied vote, I could go home if they if three of them vote for me. So,
0: you know, I know I've got Katie in my back pocket, so I'm going to keep running with her. And let, let's be honest, though. Rob eventually kind of, in, in a week's time, essentially, he's going to do exactly what I'm saying anyway. He's going to decide to cut Katie. And I think, like, you hit the nail on the head about the past votes thing. He's not going to do it next week. When it's an even spread, so then what happens the following week when there's an odd spread? That's when Sophie goes yep. home. That's the big deal breaker, yep. anyway. So essentially, we're kind of talking about this for nothing because Rob's going to do it anyway. <laughs> uh, but my point is, is like, like he could have done it now, uh, in my perspective. But look, Matt, we're so we're on, you know, good talking points here this week. I just want to grade us right now. I feel like being a teacher. A plus, <laughs> good work. Well, I'm sure Lance.
1: Hoped or wished now that uh, Rob did pull the trigger a little bit earlier and meant uh, Lance would have stayed a little bit longer. But uh, what's your thoughts on the Jane and Joel saga here? There's a, I mean, Joel (laughs) is getting on the nerves of just about everyone. And Jane, I mean, we saw last week. Jane sucks. Remember? Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say. Last (laughs) week it was all about Jane sucking. This week it's all about Joel. And being that most annoying human on earth. Everyone's done with him. And when
0: 18-year-old Jane is annoyed with him, that's saying something. The the thing that I am fascinated about Jane. Because... Go back two recaps ago. That was my I'm going to defend Jane episode. Fast forward a recap later. Jane sucks. Let's go to this recap. Jane kind of sucks. But at the same time, Jane's pulling her weight. Jane's playing an alright game. Now, again... I feel weird saying this because I don't want to completely fault the editors for everything, but this was Modern Survivor. She wouldn't have such a higgledy-piggledy arc. Her entire arc would be she sucks. Like, let's be honest. She would be a laughing stock. She would just be, Jane is the worst human in the world. And this is where it's kind of like I enjoy last recap of Jane sucks, Jane sucks, Jane sucks. Bit of fun. Uh, But then like, I feel weird now having to go from one week, Jane's Doing all right to Jane sucks. Back to kind of Jane's kind of doing all right because what's what's our read on her? It, it, they did
1: a complete one hundred and eighty. It, it's it's an absolute roller coaster with Jane. Like you're right. You you convinced me last week that Jane sucks. This week after watching this episode, I'm convinced that Jane could go all the way and win it on merit. Like yeah, it, it, it's it's they they're not sure what they're selling with Jane and are they selling a player that sucks or are they, or are they trying to sell a player that's 18 and she's learning and she's, she's toughing it out with the big boys. Like it, it, it very weird editing. You're a hundred percent right. If this, if this was her on modern day survivor, ah, oh, they would decide right from the start, we are going to rip into her, make out she's the most useless human being ever. And that's how they're going to edit her. And honestly, it would be terrible. Um, these days they don't, Go back and forth. You're either the hero, you're either the villain, or you're either the worst human on
0: earth. To answer your question about the Joel Jane situation, I think it's a bit of fun. Like it's it's kind of it's nice to see a bit more from Joel of just Joel gets excited over everything. That's kind of Joel's arc. Um, and as much as it's a bit higgledy piggledy, I'm liking that phrase all of a sudden with. Joel's edit too. I think it is kind of important to show this this week in the lead up to what's going to happen in the next episode because Joel was gone. Jo- Joel was out this episode and as much as I think the editing's a bit off in this this episode there are some good moments like kind of this is almost very American Survivor of let's show that there's one target this episode that clearly is going home but as soon as they win immunity, oh shit, what are we going to do? So Yeah, um, it's interesting. I like kind of seeing Jane all of a sudden having a bit of a rip into Joel about the whole gross wiping his nose and eating the rice and uh, (laughs) not good in today's society, clearly, with the whole wiping the nose. But, um, yeah. If you want to annoy
1: people after 28 days of being stuck in the game of Survivor, wipe your nose and start hoeing into the food, because I tell you, that's the quickest way to get anyone offside. But we're talking up that everyone's saying Jane's great in this episode but not nah, joel's still on the bandwagon according to joel she still sucks he gives an interview saying that she does very little she doesn't catch any fish she doesn't cook but she eats the same amount of food as everyone else and that basically it's safe to say she's the next to go so although everyone else seems to be coming around that to, to, to jane joel he still thinks she sucks
0: Fantastic confessional, though, by Rob. Rob just dropping the absolute perlers as we know, uh, where he's here basically saying about how he's never been fascinated in his whole life by observing people and kind of talks up the situation. But the bit I love is kind of, and this surely this made the commercial that week for Channel 9 where he basically drops a, it's all happening, stay tuned. Like, (laughs) Rob just, he knows what he's doing here. And this is like, this goes into my point with Rob, again, of how great he is, is that... I I seem to talk down people who, I guess, showboat in confessionals. Like, I don't mind showboating in confessionals. The problem I have with showboating in confessionals is when it's too obvious, that you are being way too obvious with your showboating. I think when you are doing it naturally, while still also talking about your game and everything, like, Rob's got that knack. David Janette, he's got that knack. Like, yeah, Dave can get a little bit showboaty, but... Dave's just so pretty to look at. Who cares? Like, I mean, God, the guys is the golden God. So, like, I think kind of Rob's towing that really kind of fine line here while also pulling off some absolute perlers. Rob has the complete it factor,
1: you yeah. know, he, he, and you're, you're 100% spot on, and I believe we've talked about this before. R- Rob isn't getting in the in front of the camera and trying to be someone he's not. This is gent- The stuff he's saying is just rolling off the tongue. He's not thinking about it. He's not trying to make it up. This is Rob, He's and I've actually written down his confessional, and I'm glad you said it was a great confessional because it is a great, and I've actually written it on my notes, great confessional by Rob, and I've written it down because it it is fantastic. He says, this is the most amazing observation of people I've ever been thrown in front of. Then he does his little dot points. He's like, there's a bit of greed, there's a bit of stress. Can't read my own writing here, Ben.
0: Oh, Matt, you
1: might need some glasses. (laughs) Uh, there's a bit of tension.
0: <laughs> there's a bit of tension.
1: See, we don't edit out here. We, we keep it no, running.
0: We're completely live reads here on the Australian Survivor archives. I did this at like one a.m. this morning, so after work. <laughs> and he goes, he goes,
1: and there's a bit of, of how am I going to cope with that person for another night? So basically he's saying like he because he's, he's done with Joel. We know he's done with Joel. So he's like. It's about getting through the day, dealing with someone that you just can't stand. And then, of course, he says at the end, yeah, it's all happening. Stay tuned. And he always has that little, that that great little
0: grin sort of look. It's just, ah, I love it. I love it. And this is what we, like, if you're watching this live, you're wanting this guy to win. Oh, of course. It is very rare. And uh, let's let's just use Australian Survivor here. I'm not going to even lump in American Survivor here. It's incredibly rare that the person that the editors clearly are showing that the viewer should want to win, wins. It's happened twice in Australian Survivor. Let's be honest. This guy, Rob, and David Jeanette in All-Stars. Maybe Jericho, but I would argue Luke got the, the biggest shine that season. So it's happened twice in seven seasons of Australian Survivor. There was
1: two players that were born for Survivor and born to win, and that's David Jeanette and, and Rob Dixon. Uh, they... They were just they were built for this game you know I don't maybe not so much the golden god in early days survivor but but um, perfect for modern day survivor I mean incredible um but um, Rob Dixon I mean this is just you know he, he didn't get to the top of his profession as a professional footballer but man he was like the best survivor player and just made for it. Uh, so yeah, and you're right. It's good when you can sit down in the season and there's someone you want to win, and they actually win. And I think most people, most people, uh, would have wanted Rob to win. Yeah, uh, we, we think back, Ben. Were you either? Was it the case of you're either on Katie's camp or or Rob's camp, or was it you liked both of them? I, I can't. It's hard to sort of think about back then, like because I, I from memory I liked them both. Like there was no like. I would have been happy with either of them winning. But it's an interesting question. Like, I don't think it was split down the middle. Because they did play the game together for so long, you know, they weren't
0: they weren't enemies for the whole game, uh, not until the end. So it's an interesting one. Well, this is the first episode that there's ever really any conflict with them. I exactly. Think kind yeah. of, le- leading up to this, it was Craig versus Rob. And I think that... We mentioned in the last recap episode that that was kind of the first episode where you would almost argue Katie starts to get a villainous edit, and really from here Katie does get a bit of a villainous edit because I think kind of all of a sudden the editors going okay, well it's leading up to the final episode, let's see you know how we can show that there, and yeah, it's it's a great point you make because I've I've often tried to put myself back into fifteen year old mindset, not a good thing to do sometimes, let's be honest, but. I I do remember liking Rob a lot. I do remember liking Katie. Um, but outside of that, I don't really remember what I was thinking kind of along along this way. It's kind of odd that you bring that up. But um, I was just thinking that if this was modern Survivor, I mean, God, imagine how popular Rob would be with kind of everything that he's he's doing here. Rob was the David Jeanette of 2002. Let, let's be honest yeah. right now to kind of compare that to modern Survivor if you... If you're watching this with us for the very first time and you weren't there at the time, the best way to compare it, as we're just saying here, he's the golden god of 2002.
1: Imagine how much fun Rob would have had playing a Survivor where there's idols involved mm. and he could actually do more. Like he he gets to do some scheming and scamming in this episode uh, in this season, but not to the point of what he would do if he was playing a modern day Survivor. So, oh, could you imagine? Rob Dixon with with two two hidden immunity idols around his neck and a fa- and we haven't even talked about this Ben the, the guy is a master carver he, the guy in this episode he's he's carving out whales in, into wood for his son Gabriel like for his birthday but you imagine that he, like, he would be the Bob Crowley of making fake hidden immunity idols like this guy the stuff he does with wood and carvings and that. You imagine this, what he could have made if there was hidden... Oh, it, it, I mean, we'll never get to see it, obviously, but I think watching Rob Dixon in a, in a season with so many twist turns, idols, fake idols, that would have been up there with the, some of the best TV you would ever see in Survivor.
0: I also think that if Rob was still with us, he would not be someone to sit down and not scream from a mountaintop about Channel 10 ignoring his version. Mm. I think that Rob would definitely have been very vocal about it. I mean, his brother Pete is a bit vocal about it on social media. So, again, alternate worlds where, you know, a better world where Rob was still with us, you know, because it's obviously very, very sad that he's still no longer with us even 11 years later. But, you know, Rob would have been an advocate for that. And who knows? They might have listened. <laughs> I mean, I don't think they would have. But... Um, you know you think about all these amazing things i i I can't wait like until we get to our episode with Pete and you know it's not like we're not trying to celebrate rob in every single one of these episodes as it is but um you know the guy's a legend an an utter utter legend in so many levels and just from a simple confessional here basically that ends with you know it's all happening stay tuned we're we're on this tangent of just. Amazing, Rob. Um, Matt, you, you're my challenge mail man. Uh, I feel like I want you to read this and get so excited for afternoon tea at the end of it as well. <laughs> so you're right. I, I
1: read the challenge mail. And uh, so we got Sophie and Shona go up to the, uh, to read it and, and ends up being Sophie that, uh, that reads it. As you know, I'm not going to do the uh, impression because I can't do Oprah like Let's you. Do an, e- do an emu.
0: <laughs> I, I should have got...
1: I should've... <laughs> I should have got you to read it out in Oprah's voice, just so the listeners can hear you do the Oprah voice one more time. But no, I'm going to – this is my job, Ben. So, okay, challenge mail. Take aim, take aim. To miss will be dire. Pull back on the cord and open the fire. Land on the mark as often can be, and you'll be sitting down for afternoon tea.
0: Afternoon Afternoon tea! tea! (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, can you do that again, Matt? Just – <laughs> um gotta say that for a episode that has the worst survivor challenge in history this is a great challenge this I love this challenge this is fun this is pure fun okay so I, I, I'm glad that you just said that because this
1: this is I love this challenge absolutely love it I actually think this should have been the immunity challenge I would have loved for this. Look, honestly, I think if this was the immunity challenge and the immunity challenge was the reward challenge, I don't know if you would have a problem with it, Ben. Maybe I I'm would. wrong. No, okay. no, no. I definitely would. <laughs> but this—I mean, this should have been the immunity challenge. I love—we still see it now. We still see the slingshot challenge in current-day Survivor. It's—it's it's one of the—it's one of the greats. It—it it looked great. It looked great for Whalers' Whale. I mean, they had the big slingshot, and you're doing it out to the water. You've got the the ring that's out in the water, and um, it, it looked great. You know, it was it was a it was a cheap it was a cheap
0: challenge for them to set up, but it was one of the better ones. There's the uh, tagline for this episode: cheap challenges. Um, the, the the only issue I have with it is that Lincoln doesn't explain how many. Like he kind of goes into you have some uh, balls or or whatever he calls them, missiles he calls them. And then clearly, so the point is actually, so they've got like maybe 10 missiles and whoever gets the most points wins. That's not explained. Like he kind of just said whoever gets the most points wins. But I I had to go back and check because I'm thinking, okay, so do you have to get to three? Is it whoever gets the first one? He doesn't, I think, fully. And I'm not trying to point the blame on Lincoln. He might just not have been told. Or if he did explain it, maybe it wasn't shown.
1: I could be completely wrong but I I'm I'm going to defend Lincoln here. I think what's happened and I don't know this for sure. It, it could have taken them bloody eight goes before someone actually got it in. You know, and I'm assu- and look, we we know Survivor gets edited like what you see isn't exactly the order they went in or the amount of times it happened. You know, let's be honest, it it they cuz it it could have taken them eight goes until finally Jane gets one and then so they have to then Edited at the end to make out it was best out of three. That probably didn't happen. So well,
0: I the, think. Yeah, I think. Sorry, just to interrupt my point. Yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean. Like, you're right. Like, this whole challenge, they initially could have said, first they get the three, and then all of a sudden they're taking 20 hours and going, fuck, all right, let's kind of change it. Absolutely. My point is uh, that if that wasn't a thing and straight. Because, like, you actually see at their feet, they all seem to have the same amount of, of missiles. So my point is, is that I feel what should have been said is Lincoln should go, you've each got. 10 missiles, whoever gets the most in wins. Like That's where I kind of... I had to go back at least two or three times because I, I was going like, so hang on a minute, how do you win? But I, I was just very confused because I don't feel that was explained. But uh, you're right. You're 100% right. This could have been edited. They could have fucked something up. If only they had done this in the first episode. But <laughs> like, yeah, they <laughs> could have something could have been changed in editing there.
1: And that's something I've been critical of, Ben, that I don't think they've thought out everything that can happen. Like, when they do these challenges, there's that thought of, oh, well, what happened if this goes wrong or what happened if someone doesn't get it? Like, there was a lack of thought process of – because things don't – like yeah, like you said, things don't always work to plan. Someone could have got it first go. The first person who walks up, Shona, bang, gets it, very first shot. Or, all of a sudden, no one gets it. And in the end, only one person gets gets it in, and that's Jay- – Out of who what? gets they, it? So of lost, all they, the people <laughs> – <laughs> but, so the se- the seven players they edited to show that all that all seven got three shots. So out of all those shots, one went in. So yeah. I think that's a criticism to the show where I don't think they put a lot of thought. They should have just said and that's another thing with current day editing. If if they did have 10 balls each, they wouldn't show all 10 shots of all seven players. They would edit it, they would show a couple of quick scenes where there's like, miss, 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 miss. Oh, yep, got James got one. Look, like I said, it was 19 years ago, there was probably, they didn't think about that. We've got to, although we're being critical, it's important to be critical, but it's also important to say, well, you know, they probably didn't think, they didn't have all these series to think, oh, shit, yeah,
0: we've got to think about that, we've got to have a backup plan. And I think it's it's important to point this out, there's that time capsule, because you're right, like, if they've got ten balls, they're not going to show it. And, like, there's been numerous challenges not only in Australian Survivor but American Survivor where you're seeing, like, they've got to get one thing in. But in in all seriousness, it was actually, like, the best of five, but they've edited it to a way where it only shows they've got to get one for time. And, like, it's – viewers of Survivor know these things, but, like, this is where we go back to that point where we're talking about reality TV is different. People wanted to see it as real, and for the most part, as we've talked a lot about this season, they're showing it chronologically. They're not really changing things around. Obviously we know a couple of weeks ago when Naomi won that reward, they did change it around. They showed the order differently of that. And this again could be a thing. So it's, it's, to me, it's almost like as they're getting along with this season, they're all of a sudden going, Oh, hang on a minute. Maybe we can move this around here. It doesn't have to be completely yep. in order. Um, and cause that's again, what we see today. I mean, it's, it's subtle in the US version. I'm sure they implored it a little bit in this season where they've used a confessional or a soundbite from somewhere else over the top. Channel 10 doesn't even hide it. You've got Matt Dyson sitting on a tree going, I really like this game. Next minute you're in the ocean, it makes me happy. Next minute you're fucking in your hotel in Sydney, if I could vote someone out, it would be cut to you in a helicopter. Shawnee, like, it's just, it's not even freaking subtle how Channel 10 does it. But anyway, point is, this challenge is amazing. <laughs> it, it, it is amazing,
1: looks amazing, and ends up having, at the end, well, I'll say it now, it has one of the best cinematography shots of all time, of any survivor in their history on this planet that I've ever seen. Of course, the challenge finishes, Jane wins. We should have said that uh, they were Jane playing for. Fucking Jane wins, sorry. <laughs> Jane <laughs> I should, we, we didn't say what they were playing for, Ben. They were playing for scones, cream, jam, piping hot tea, coffee, and hot chocolate, and fresh strawberries. That's what they were playing for. And, uh, of course, Jane wins. Thank fuck. And I'll say this again. <laughs> thank fuck Jane didn't share it with everyone. I would have lost my shit at 1 a.m. in the morning. For not sharing. <laughs> I would have been throwing my phone at the TV screen if that happened again. Um you know, in the next Rob, few weeks, <laughs> Rob actually says there's not enough. Just, just eat it. So, oh, honestly, I couldn't have done another challenge where they're sharing bloody rewards. But anyway, Jane wins. She's eating the, the 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 scones with cream and jam, and then all of a sudden, you you hear them in the background. Oh, look, the whale! The whale! They look out, and there's this massive. I don't. Do you know what whale it was? What type of whale? I'm not sure. I'm not a uh, whale connoisseur,
0: but uh... one that's big. It's Jane, Jane the whale. <laughs> In all all seriousness, like that that whale, I know what it is, but I've gone blank. Like I, I want to say humpback, but I could be wrong. Uh, I did do a lot of stuff in whales in school, funnily enough, but it's been a long time. I'm old now. Let's just Um, say it's a humpback, and if we're wrong, let's just hope no one, no one
1: realizes. But uh, it's a great shot, and of course, yeah, like I said, it starts swimming in, it ends up going under the ring where they were trying to with the slingshot where they're trying to get the balls in. And this is where, and for anyone that listened to the Lincoln interview, Lincoln actually mentioned it, uh, the cameraman, Matt Bronger, uh, one of the highly regarded cameramen in the business still doing it today. He actually got in the water and those shots you see underwater of the whale. Fantastic. And it was good. They actually didn't just show like a little clip of it. They, it went for about 15 seconds. It was fantastic. And, uh, big credit there to cameraman Matt Bronger and, and and this is one of the things where we were just criticizing the show a second ago but we're also whenever something like this happens we'll talk it up and I'm going to talk it up right now still to this day this is better than the shots they get in current day we don't get any of this shit we get the the standard stock fo- footage of a bloody goldfish and a bloody stingray and a couple of other little colorful things just after an ad or leading into an ad and then that's it we don't actually see any real animal footage of what's on the island. Here, this was real shit. They didn't go out looking for this. This was this came along on Whaler's Way during the challenge. Matt Bronger, big credit, gets in there, takes some fantastic footage.
0: And there's not technical logies for things like production and cinematography. Uh, I'm sure the they would have been the AFI at the time, not the actors. They have some television categories. I'm sure there are some television technical awards somewhere in Australia. But this episode is gorgeous. It really is. And, I mean, let's be honest. They were very lucky that this happened while they're doing it. But, like, again, it's kind of that that nature aspect of the realism that all of a sudden this just happens, and you've got a guy in the water filming this beautiful creature, nudging it, and the end, and just, it's, it's absolutely stunning. And, like... The challenge is also stunning, too. Like, the way they have the cameras, like, they've kind of got a dolly sort of over the head, you know, filming this great shot of them kind of, you know, pulling back on the slings. This is just before drones. They've got some really fancy cameras going on here. Yeah, you've got some really awkward long shots of a little tiny dot in the water which kind of don't work. And there is one shot of a ball going in the water which looks really awkward. But outside of that, like, it's just so well done, the way they've chopped this up. And, like... You're right. You wouldn't see this Modern Survivor. We get a lot of slingshot challenges, but, and I'm not trying to take away again from everything Modern when it comes to the way they edit things and the challenges and that. But it's just the way this is done. It's just it's it's one of the standouts of this season, and it's such a shame that I have to very soon talk about the worst challenge of all time because I feel that if they had maybe thought their next challenge through a little bit more. We could have had, you know, an outstanding, like almost perfect episode of Australian Survivor from a visual and technical standpoint.
1: I was just thinking, like, if, if in modern day Survivor, if a whale came across, they they would probably show it from a distance. I've got no doubt about that. But I don't know if they would be getting a cameraman to jump in the water and and go right up to it and and film. I I just they would just
0: use stock footage from something else. I that that's what I love about this. I, I yeah, I think you're right. I think I. Let's be honest, I think he was just in the right place at the right time. I I mean, this could be wrong. I could could be completely wrong, and if we get him on the show or chat with him, he can clarify this, but I wouldn't feel that he would jump in the water having seen that. I think he was already there because, again, you've got like an underwater shot of a ball coming into the water, so I'm sure they've got someone stationed there or within the vicinity, and along comes this whale because – when, he's, when you see these shots, the fact that this whale is almost coming up to the camera, like, that's what makes it fantastic. And the reactions of the people, like, I love Shona, like, look, there it is, there it is. I think Joel's like, I've never seen a whale before. I'm um, like, it's just fantastic. And I, I do love, like, the little moment where it's like, what should we name the, the whale? And is it like, Rob who straight away is like, Jane, Jane, we'll call the whale Jane.
1: Like <laughs> She's so still good. trying to <laughs> eat her bloody scone.
0: I love oh. the moment, like, oh, God, I... I Fuck fuck the world. Let's be honest, Jane is amazing. 2 yeah. weeks ago you suck, Jane. Now you're fantastic. Like so much of Jane this episode I'm in love with. Just we're I love that, this girl. We're on that roller coaster, Ben. I'm
1: telling you the editors got us mate. They, they they've sucked us in. They've sucked us into the Jane Dalton roller coaster ride, mate. And me and you we're front seat. We we're, we're Come, along
0: for the ro- we're along for the ride. Coming soon to Movie World, the Jane Dalton Express. Like Get on it. Like, you know, she's going to suck next week probably, but this week I'm on the top part of it. I'm in that front. I hate ride, but get me on the Jane Dalton Express. I'm in.
1: <laughs> now, we, we've just talked up how Matt Bronger was fantastic uh, doing that footage of the whale, but it's such a shame he didn't get the footage of the seal taking Joel's fish. <laughs> <laughs> do you, you want to tell my... – you, you, you do a good Joel impression with how enthusiastic he is and <laughs> – Telling him, telling this story about how the seal jumped up and took his fish, and and what what and and then what happened when the seal was w- swimming away
0: and then looked back at him, like peak Do you Joel. want to tell a story? This is peak Joel, and I didn't write it down word for word, but we get sort of this weird little fishing montage. This just goes on for about a minute or two, kind of them fishing, getting these little, what are they, little muscle shells and whatever the hell they are. And then kind of all of a sudden you cut back to Joel and he's, Joel's, guys, guys, I was there and I got these fish and then there was all these, this seal just came out and I was like, guys, guys, screaming my head off, whole fish. And then he's like going on about stuff and he's like, oh, gotcha sucker and I wanted to jump in. <laughs> it's like, it's, 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 it's odd because like, Joel is, like, just such a boisterous character, something. and then all of a sudden in our next scene, everyone's going to hate Joel. Like, I why? Like, I want this guy, like, literally there, like, guys, guys, a seal, a seal did this, and oh, yeah, oh, 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 oh. Like, Joel's just missed their energy on crack, but apparently everyone's hating this, because next minute he's high-fiving Rob in one of the most awkwardly weird moments where it's kind of like... Rob's going on about his son it's his son's first birthday, Gabriel which, it's so hard to watch these scenes now, just, it really is um, he hangs it up, and then, you know, people are sort of like, you know oh, happy birthday, Katie's like, happy birthday, Gabriel and then Joel's like, oh, Rob give me a high five, and all like, that. Rob's like, I'm not really a high five guy, oh bullshit, yeah you are, well give me a handshake then, and cut to Rob I'm really sick of Joel, he's always wanting to high five me, and he's Going on, you know, giddy up all the time. Jane's going on about giddy up. It's it's such an awkward transition from super exuberant Joel to fuck Joel, he's annoying. And it was it was awkward just watching
1: that scene when when he he says, No bullshit, we'll give me a handshake, and then Rob walks over, gives him the handshake, but barely even looks at him, doesn't say oh thank you, because he because he's congratulating him on obviously great Gabrielle's birthday or whatever. And it's just Rob's done. He do, he doesn't even really look at Joel. It's just like ah, oh, whatever. Like, and that line when he says like, I'm, "Yeah, I'm not a I'm not a high five guy." It's just it it, it shows. Like, Joel's got that energy about him. Like Craig mentioned in his interview about how Craig wanted to be this motivational speaker, and uh, the bloke's twenty two, but he can spin a yarn. Like, and the way he told that seal story about and. and it, it got me in. Like, I was like, oh, okay, shit. I, I was on for the ride. I'm like, okay, and then what happened with the seal? And, and then it's like, it's like that scene of Bowfinger at the end where it's like, I got you, suckers. Yeah. It, it's like, <laughs> that, that's what it felt like. It felt like... <laughs> great movie, by the way. If anyone... That is a anyone, brilliant movie. Yeah, if anyone <laughs> hasn't seen... Bowfinger, go stop this podcast right now and get on Netflix and get Bowfinger. Seriously,
0: not... don't listen to this crap. Go and watch Bowfinger. Like that How should do... be our new tagline: Australian Survivor How... Archives. Don't listen. Go watch Bowfinger.
1: How good is it when he's standing at the top and all they need, all they need Eddie Murphy to say is that last line that "I got you, suckers," and then and then he realizes that that, that oh, I'm not, gonna, I won't spoil a movie for anyone that's going to go watch it. Go watch it.
0: Be- best line is when Steve Martin's on the date with Heather Graham. And it's like I really love smashing pumpkins. I love doing that too. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: know we've gone off, off a bit here from Survivor, but just just a little side note. So Ben, any time I've got to enter like a fantasy football team or come up with a name for a, like a group, with, I always go. I always use the one name, Chubby Rain. Ah. <laughs> that, that was the name of the fake movie that they were yes. doing in both. So, that's so. Any time I
0: need to come up with a name, it's always Chubby Rain. Slight plug for the Oz Network. Download now. Great show. Um, Colin is, I thought the biggest Bowfinger fan in the world. You clearly are up there. So when we eventually recap Bowfinger, and we will be one day, don't worry, because I'm, I'm with you both. I love it. We will get you on.
1: I am in. Make it happen, Ben. Make it happen.
0: Now, I want to, I want to bring something up here, but I just a slight little tangent. You mentioned Rob kind of being a bit awkward here. There's, there was a moment in that Katie confessional early on, where she's like, Rob was a bit salty last night, and then we kind of get a bit salty Rob here. Not sure if that's just down to the fact that we want to see this winner's edit from him, but we never really see salty Rob. And I, I kind of feel we've got a couple of clues here that there's salty, grumpy Rob that we never get to see. So that will be interesting to get from Pete when we get him on the line, just how how is salty, grumpy Rob? I think we can't avoid something here, which... <laughs> It's it's we talk about the Gabriel stuff kinda of being a bit difficult to watch because obviously, as we've mentioned before, Gabriel sadly passed away in the accident that killed Rob. But this whole little sequence here around Joel, where kinda of you've got a few people basically saying, like, Rob's a bit zombie like, Rob's, you know, getting on our nerves, but there's that line when it's they say Joel's starting to lose it. Now, it's not something I like to talk about or bring up because again, as we've talked about with Joel constantly, we are talking about joel in the context of this season we are not talking about joel outside the game and let's be upfront right now when it comes to covering joel's exit we realize joel's exit is in the finale so kind of there will be interviews lumped in following that we're not going to have sort of a, a family member or a relative or something like that with joel because it's tricky i don't think that's appropriate joel is somebody who when he gets released one day down the line if it's something that one day he's willing to talk about, we would be open to it. But even then, that's going to be a tricky thing because I don't like to bring up what happened with Joel outside of the show because it's completely separate to Survivor. This is the one time I feel that we can mention it being awkward and just, it is it is uncomfortable to watch this sequence. I will be flat out and say right now, it is uncomfortable to see these people concerned about Joel, concerned about his mental well being, and particularly that line of Joel starting to lose it I get very uncomfortable and shifting in my seat watching this sequence.
1: Yeah. I think maybe this is why this whole episode, we, we sort of, it's not one of the favorites of ours so far, because it it was awkward with Rob as well, talking about him missing Gabriel's first steps and first birthday. And then Lincoln at tribal council, we'll we'll talk about that later, but he brings it up again. Um, You know, then the whole Joel stuff, you spot on. They're, They're starting to notice changes in Joel. Um, you know, and, and of course, we know what happens after the show, you know, all those years later after the show was finished, what happens. But you are right. Look, we're here to talk about Joel in 2001 when he was filming Survivor. But it, it is hard to watch. And, and this whole sequence, we're up to day 29 now. And this whole sequence of events with Rob, him making the present for Gabriel, that which I, could, I must say is a fantastic wooden whale. I mentioned it before. Fantastic. Man, that that guy could carve. Um but, yeah, it's sort of hard for me to even talk about it, Ben, because it's, you know, it, it does, I guess, give you a little insight of how Joel is under pressure. And, um, yeah, when you're hearing someone, you know, on a show sort of say that they're concerned
0: for him, um, yeah, it's it's it, it's hard to talk about. The one thing I will say, though, that the editing does, I think, pretty good in this episode, it just it ends up amounting to nothing, is really showcasing okay, Joel's in trouble, Joel's, Joel's going home. And we need to see this, I think, leading in to his immunity win because if we didn't see any of this and I think kind of, you know, the the consequences of Joel winning aren't really sold. And even because we get the confessionals from Joel, don't we, in this episode, like, oh, I didn't feel in trouble anyway, I didn't really need this, but I still, you know, like it's kind of, again, would be completely edited differently in today's standards, but I still think that context there is, is still warranted in this point. Yeah, and Joel
1: has a confessional here where he says that, the whole time he's, he's being himself and that he's always happy, friendly and kind. Like, you know, Joel, when he was playing that game, didn't have any, I got no doubt. He didn't have any mean intentions for his, his tribe mates. He, he was 22 year old guy, you know, obviously very keen to be playing survivor. Um, you know, was he the best survivor player ever? No, you know, um, he, he was easy for, for Rob to manipulate Rob and Katie and Shona to, 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 to drag along. Um, but you know, yeah, it's it's such an interesting one. We, you know, we we see Joel a lot of ups and downs. He's starting to rub people the wrong way. But you know, he was twenty two. I would have, I would have rubbed people the wrong. I mean, I rubbed people the wrong way when I was there on at
0: thirty five. Let alone when I was no. twenty two. <laughs> no, what are you talking about? You're right, and it's Joel arguably becomes one of the most important people in this season next week. Yep. And it's it's, it's odd. I, I remember before I ever went and rewatched this season and I kind of had that mental recollection of this season, I, I always felt Joel was, you know, one of the most important people and I thought he, you know, mentally was like, oh, he played a pretty fantastic game, didn't he? Because didn't he, you know... And, like, I'm not taking away from Joel's game in any way. But you wouldn't rank Joel in the top half of players on this season. If you're doing it on certain criteria I I like Joel as a character Joel's fun Joel's exuberant He's he's exciting He's out there I love kind of seeing conflict When all of a sudden People aren't liking someone Because they're a bit annoying But I think you hit the nail on the head the, the guy's 22 I don't like often using age As a factor But I mean You and I were both 22 at one point I was a fucking dickhead at 22 You know And I mean I still am at 33 But oh. more so at 22 <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I would have annoyed
1: the shit out of everyone. But, um, you know, it's, yeah, it's, I, I don't know what to say, Ben. It's, um, it, he definitely, look, if they would have had an All-Stars three years later, he wouldn't have been invited back because he, he wasn't, you, you, do you agree with that? Like, although he finished absolutely. third, although he finished third, he there would have been no reason for them to invite Joel back at that stage. Because what was he going to bring to another season he of He doesn't, Survivor? he
0: wouldn't change. And this is the no. thing. I don't think Joel, like Joel, we saw it early on when he was kind of, he was conflicted after the Jeff vote. We're going to see this, a whole thing of being conflicting nature and it's going to ultimately what leads him to, and like we will get to that finale episode and Eddie Maguire brings it up to him in front of a, you know, thousands of people at Crown Casino. And uh, this social media to this day, if, if so, social media at the time, if that was a thing, Joel would have been ripped an absolute, like, just for what he ends up doing in this season. And, like, I'm not taking away from Joel as a person because it was incredibly noble. It was incredibly loyal and he kept his values and that's what Joel was there for. And at the end of the day, in 2002, this was so much more of an important thing in Survivor than it is in 2020. This isn't a thing in 2020. I mean, okay, that's not true. It is a thing in 2020. But I don't think to the extent of what Joel would have done and again we're getting ahead of ourselves we're kind of you know dropping things that are going to be talked about in a few weeks time but the point is I think that it is uncomfortable on that level knowing what happens with Joel afterwards to see this scene but I'm still actually appreciative that we're getting a bit of an edit from this guy where it's been a while since we've seen his character and I, I think you've got to talk about each of these people at some point in the season and this is a very Joel heavy episode so why not bring it up now and we're going to see a lot more of Joel because obviously he does get to the final three. He makes the deal
1: with Shona and Rob. So I'm glad you've brought it up now. We've sort of got it out the way about Joel and what happens after the show. So I think it's important now we you know we don't continue to talk about that. I think now over these next episodes, because there is a lot of Joel content, that we just then concentrate on Joel back in 2001
0: playing this game. And one thing I'll say, just off slight tangent, uh, I'm just looking at the confessionals here. Joel uh, gets five confessionals, A very heavy confessional episode for everyone except for Lance. He only gets the one in his boot episode, very famous one as I said before. But just want to point out, Jane, six confessionals this episode. You go, girl! Roller coaster, Ben. I'm
1: telling you, we're at we're the top of that the loop. We're at right now with Jane. We're at the top of the loop, but I think then we're gonna we're about to go upside down and start heading down again. <laughs>
0: You know, bugger this 2020 Sean Tent crap. I want my Jane Tent. You know, like <laughs> I'm going to pitch it up. There it is. Jane Tent, you're up. You love your Sean Tent, Ben. I will move on to the next part of this episode, uh, Matthew Dyson. Uh, and that is <laughs> people eating uh, pig face. This is, I think Craig brought this up, didn't he, the other week. I don't think we'd actually heard the name of this before. And um, I-, I kind of like. Is is it Joel and Sophie the way they... Not Joel and Sophie, sorry, Lance and Sophie. They have a little moment the way they're talking to each other and they're kind of like, how's pig face? And Lance is like, pig face, good. Uh, and it's like, <laughs> yes, pig face, very good. Not good as banana smoothie, good. They're kind of talking like cavemen. It's kind of funny. And then I love it kind of leads into Sh- uh, Shona. And Shona's got some pearls of like... I know there's a particular one in this episode that you're a fan of, but I kind of like classic Shona confessionals. Like, this one here where she's just basically like, oh, all they bloody do is talk about food and recipes. Rob and I have had it up the guts with it or something like that. And he's like, I understand that they're hungry, but there's only so many times you can hear about it. You know, it's starting to irritate people. Uh, Gold. Love Shona. So good. And then it leads into just uh, maybe the most random moment of this episode, but it is a fantastic episode where Sophie and Katie are getting water and... Katie mentions to Sophie about having bees in her pants. Sophie has bees in her pants. She basically pulls Katie uh Sophie's pants like back, looks down a bum, bees fly out, and then is it Katie mentioned something or is it Sophie who says looking for the honey pot and then the other one's like oh yeah, I didn't know it was as sweet as honey in there. <laughs> so Best one of the best lines of this episode. So Katie says, "I, I love
1: how she just opens the back of her pants. She kind of yeah. looks. She looks down. It doesn't happen straight away. She opens the back and she opens and like what? Like not just a little bit. Like really out. Puts her yep. sort of head looking down, looking out. Next second, the bee comes out. Fantastic. And then of course she says, "Yeah, us oh, looking for the honey pot. Great. Is is that the name of this episode,
0: Ben? It has to be looking for the honey pot." Yeah, can I, can- I think you... But I'm kind of liking the Jane coaster. I feel we need to have a roller coaster with Jane on it. Like, you know, we'll... I mean, people listening to this know what it's called. They're listening to it right now, but we'll, we'll post, post-production post meeting. Um, you, you mentioned before that Sophie kind of, like, she's not on point as she was in the last recap we did. But, you know, we've gone from learning that Sophie enjoys a bit of urination on people, particularly her best friends. She loves personating emus. They call her Iron Guts or whatever it was. And now she refers to her certain part as uh, being sweet as honey and like the honeypot. So, uh, gotta say, for somebody who, you know, we didn't have a lot of content from uh, early on, she's dropping some pearls, some great one liners in this season. You go, girl, Sophie. She gives a good confessional just
1: before that whole honeypot scene where she talks about. Um you know, she's not trying to do too much of anything she's just trying to blend in uh you know it's 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 not just about playing smart i like that she says it's not just about playing smart uh, it's 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 a it's also about not irritating people and giving a reason for them to vote you out so she's definitely got a game plan so if we, you know we're starting to see more of her now but this girl has got a game
0: plan and it's doing well for her up until this point 100%. It reminded me a lot of our Queen Jane a couple of weeks ago saying that she's, listen to me calling her a queen already. Jeez, I don't want to do next recap after this one, Matt. I'm going to be sad to see Jane go. <laughs> no, let's be honest. Next week we're going to be saying how much she sucks, so it's all good. Um, Now, all right, can you fucking read this challenge, man? Because I don't want to talk about what we're about. God damn it, we're here already. I think Can we uh, strap talk about yourself, else? <laughs> strap yourself in, listeners.
1: I think we're going to have a good little debate here. So this
0: is I oh, the- don't know. It's not a debate. This is a one-sided argument. Don't tell me you have got to debate the merits of reads the challenge well. <laughs> so, so we've
1: been waiting ten recaps for this. Ben's been talking about it. The worst ever challenge in history of Survivor. He's, he's called it. So it's uh, Jane reads this one. So I'll read it. The uh, Queen the, Jane. The, uh, yeah, I won't do it in uh, her royal highness. It. Queen Jane. All right. So, your challenge today for you to treasure is to keep a cool head amidst the pressure. The task you complete is not for pleasure. Immunity will be for the one who can measure.
0: <sighs> yes. Um, all right. I love season one, Whaler's Way. I am in the official club of let's defend the crap out of this season. Love this season to bits, but I cannot defend this challenge. I'm sorry. This is the worst challenge in the history of U.S. survivor, Australian survivor, New Zealand survivor, South African survivor, U.K. survivor, Azerbaijanian survivor, uh, Burkina Faso survivor, you name it. This, is, Like, we have talked about the budget of this season, right? We have talked about saving money, doing this. We couldn't afford Aurora buffs. You know, we couldn't redo the challenge. We couldn't do this kind of crap. They have literally sat around a production meeting and gone, all right. Challenge guys, all right, cool. Let's do this, let's do that. Slingshot, fantastic car driving. It's a bit quirky. Sure, let's do that. They've laid out all the challenges and then they've gone, all right, okay, fuck, we've missed one. Okay, right. Yeah, we've got like ten bucks. Shit, oh fuck, what are we gonna do? Ten bucks, like you know, we could build like a table for ten bucks, stand on there on one leg, I don't know, a pole, like just fuck it, nothing, swim out to the ocean and back who's the fuss. No, no, I've got an idea. I'm going to go down to the local dollar store and I'll be back. You, you're going to love me for this. All right. So this person has come back. They've come back with stopwatches. They've come back with rulers. They've come back with temperature thing. And they've come back with a set of scales, right? And they've gone, let's get them to guess things, measurement. This challenge, literally, Matt Dyson could have been Lincoln House standing on a Blank, nothing, and gone, I'm thinking of a number between 1 and a 1,000. Whoever gets closest to it wins immunity. Go. Fucking save 10 bucks. This this challenge is dumb. It is stupid. I'm not even explaining it yet. But, like, I'm just getting my rant out right now, Matt. Like, it's... it's this challenge is stupid. Do you reckon <laughs> Steven Peters rang... Lincoln,
1: the night he was flying down to Port Lincoln, said, hey, mate, uh, pack a tape measure as well. You're going to need it for one of the immunity challenges.
0: (laughs) This challenge would have been more entertaining if Joel, Lance, Rob had all whipped it out and measured their dick. I would have been more into that. Joel would have won still. Good for him. Um, But, like, I'm sorry. Like, okay, calm down, man. This challenge is literally they have, what, five, six different stations and Lincoln gets in, oh, we're going to, you know, test you on things that you all take for granted. So they've got to, the first challenge, they've got to find something that weighs a kilo. Whoever's furthest away from a rock or something a kilo, eliminated. Next, go find me something that's a meter long. That's surely where Joel should have unzipped, but never mind. Um, Rob's eliminated the first one. Shona's eliminated. Then they've got a stopwatch. They've got to count. And try and guess five minutes. Katie Gold, very smart, by the way, using her uh, pulse as a as a beat point. I enjoyed can, that. Can I just, bit. Can, can I just cut in, Ben? How does Lance not get voted
1: out when he gets thirteenth <laughs> thirteenth tenth of a second, and he's still not
0: the lowest? Yeah, exactly. Um, Sophie got zero zero because she didn't press the, the stopwatch right. Right. Okay. So you know, boom, done. Then it's you've got to measure two liters of water with jugs. Okay. Um, and then you've got to guess the current temperature, and then this all ends with oh, guess uh, guess each other's weight. This is just like Matt Dyson. If you defend this, if you defend this right now, like I, I, I don't know what I will do and say. It, it comes down to Joel and Jane, and I like
1: when Joel says, "Oh, to to Jane, can I can I pick you up?" Because he's trying to work out the weight, and Jane's like,
0: "No." Oh yeah, I love that moment. Yeah, yes. no, 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 you pick- may not pick me up. Yeah, don't touch Queen Jane, Joel. Look, Ben, I'm not going to sit here and
1: defend it. I, I, it's not great. <laughs> it's certainly not great for an immunity challenge. I'll say that. Look, I'm not, I don't hate the challenge as much as you do. I think for a reward challenge, I think it could have been done quite interesting. I think it could have been a bit of fun. People are hungry um it it, anyone could win it i you know ben i'm a fan of the challenge that anyone can win not necessarily it has to be the big strong bloke or or the big strong woman um so i like that part of it definitely not for an immunity challenge i'll say that now so yes as far as immunity challenges go probably agree with you one of the worst in history you're saying it, it is the worst in history if it was a reward challenge, I don't think I have a problem with it. I think they could have got away with it. It didn't look good when stopwatches aren't working, you know, Sophie doesn't press it and Lance does something and it basically turns off straight away. That doesn't look good. You know, I think they they needed to at least work out a way that they knew it was definitely going, you know, that the stopwatch had started. It's not a great look when... Lincoln asked them to peel it back and all zeros are there. Once again, it looks like these challenges are just shit. Um, So, look, I agree with you. Yes, immunity challenge, one of the worst ever, but um, I think it could have worked under the, the right circumstances.
0: There is a challenge which, from memory, they've never done in Australian survivor, which they have not done a long time in US Survivor, where there is measuring involved. But it's the one, remember, where they've got like a giant hunk of meat hanging and they've got to tie their hands behind That's their backs true. and they've got to grab it and they've yeah. got to put it in a tray. There's also been other ones where there's been mud pools and you've got to like jump in the mud and you've got to basically carry mud back into a bucket and whoever's got the most mud wins. I'm not against measuring challenges. That sounds like a sentence I never should have to say, but there we go. It's just, this is boring. It, there's no tension to it. Like, oh, my God, who's going to have a one kilo rock? <gasps> Who is it going to be? Like, it's just, like, how do you edit this so it's actually nerve-wracking and tension-filled? And it just, like, it goes on for, like, nearly 10 minutes of literally people picking up a rock. It's, like, it just, I cannot defend this. And even if this is a reward challenge, I'm sorry. I, I would have a problem with it because it's just, this is... This is something that you would have if you were getting your mates together on a weekend to do a cheap version of Survivor in your backyard. This this is a multi million dollar production of television. This is the most expensive or one of the most expensive Australian television shows ever made at the time, and you are literally getting them to guess what the temperature is.
1: Yeah, when you when you put it like that, Ben, I ha- I do have to agree with you. You're right. It, it's it's looks like a fan fan has put this challenge together in their backyard and got a, and got a group of mates around and they're doing like a backyard survivor. You're right. I'll get I'll I'll admit that. It's not a great look for a multi-million dollar production. Um I I think like I said, I think if they edited it more tightly, maybe did slightly things a little bit different. I don't have a problem with people having to guess weights and stuff like that. it's I don't have a problem with that. You're right. It dragged on the stopwatch one, that was stupid. I didn't like the stopwatch one. That, get rid of that. Anything that could go wrong, they they need to minimise things that could go wrong. And the fact that two of them hadn't even pressed it properly, that's not a great look. It looks amateurish. Uh, you know, it looks like amateur hour. And it that made it even worse. If they put it down to like three, edited it tightly, made it a little bit better, I think it could have worked. But you're right, it did look like some... Fan has just got a group of mates together and done it in their backyard.
0: At the end of the day, Joel wins immunity. Um, he, you know, let, let's let's be equal opportunist pervs. This episode, Matthew Dyson, because we will be maybe commenting very very shortly. Joel bets topless with the shark teeth around his neck. Good looking rooster. Got a nice rig on him. Good on you, good on you, Joel. Well done. Got to say that right now. Kind of got to spread out the perviness in this episode. But uh, we get the confessional from him afterwards where he's like, you know, I don't think people want to be gone. Didn't really need this. But, you know, it's always good to feel secure. Um, we're on day 30 now. I know you like to keep track of the days. And I kind of like this little moment, though. It's it's a real... This is where the editing is a bit odd because, again, you're not really selling that Lance is about to go home. But just still a nice few little moments here. Like, I kind of like Shona... The narrator of this episode, kind of like you know, oh, you know, everyone else is in bed. I'm going to make some breakfast. Rob's off writing in his journal on a cliff. Lance are doing yoga. Visually stunning again, like the shot of of Rob sitting on the cliff, you know, writing in his journal. That that would be something fascinating uh, to when we get Pete on the show to see if that journal has has been kept by Dusty or you know, someone in the in the Dixon family. Like it would be fascinating reading if that's something that exists and we're able to, you know, have a read. It might be something very private that's never going to be shared. But, I mean, that would be incredibly fascinating to read in the mindset of of Rob. Um, and, I mean, really, I think we can lump a whole lot of this stuff together because, again, we're not really going to go into epic details, I feel, about how Lance is going to go home. Because, really, from this point on, it's just... Lance is a great guy. Like this is the only thing I think where kind of you're thinking like oh they're overselling Lance has been a great guy all of a sudden because Rob's talking about how great Lance is. Katie's saying that he was a target, but now he's a gentle, loving man. Um Lance talks up Jane, Queen Jane, she's going great guns right now, she's fantastic. It's a beautiful sunny day in Whaler's way, the first time ever, so Let's whack on the bikinis and let's make Matt and Ben very happy. Some great little scenes there. have to say, though, there is one certain scene that would not fly in 2020. There was a camera person there. I don't want to say it was a man, but let's be honest, it probably was a man standing in front of an 18-year-old in a bikini. He's focusing a little bit too much on certain parts of her body for a good 10 seconds there. But, hey, cool. You know, you do you, bud. In 2018, when Matt Dyson was on... They focus a lot on, on Stevie and Zach's and uh, Heath's bums when they were in the water. So, you know, you're like, hey, we've come full circle. Um, great. I know I'm going to leave you to talk this one up more than I will, but Shona gets a great little confessional here where you kind of feel a bit bad for Shona. like You kind of feel a bit sorry for her that she's not really connecting a lot with the girls because they're off talking about things that she's not really into. Naked Shona's back. Got to say, Shona, for a 49-year-old, that bum. mm Good, um, equal opportunity perv. I'm covering all ages and genders here. Rob, you're bum too. Actually, no. Lance is bum. We see Lance's bum in his speedos again. Actually, the, the speedos are back from Lance. Mm, looking good, it's, Lance. It's a good. It's a. It's a good sequence of events. I, I put it, it down is. here. It's,
1: I've listed it as some beach fun. Like they're just the, you see Sophie, Katie, and a, um, Jane. They're walking in. They're talking about. Oh, it's great. The sun's out finally. First time in the season. They're they're keen to get their tan on. Um, Katie and
0: Rob are throwing each other around in the water. Um, And let's... I see... Yeah? Yeah, I was just going to say, and let's be honest, if if this is what the weather was like for 39 days, it would be remembered so much better because this this is what Stephen Peters clearly saw in Whaler's Way because it is it is stunning. Like the, the underwater shots when they're swimming in the water, the blue sky. Even Jane is like, this is the first time we've had a sunny day in in thirty days. And and like they would have wanted to sell this on Jane in in Katie in Sophie hanging in their bikinis. You know, in in Lance in his gorgeous little gorgeous. God, Ben, where am I going? Uh, his speedos. I mean, if Craig was still there. You know, we would have been checking out Craig's rig. You know, I'm sure we would have been te- checking out all the rigs out there. Sylvan's rig. Everyone's rig, you'll get a rig then we <laughs> refer rig. to them as D, DTs not speedos sorry I podcast. forgot the whole DT thing but uh, uh, again would but be thought about completely differently if this was the weather the whole time that that confessional with the backdrop
1: of Rob when he, he's sitting on the rocks on the beach you, you see that the great, it's a great sunny day, beautiful beach and sand in the background, absolutely stunning within in the far distance you've got of course the, the whaler's way cliffs in the back like that that is the money shot. Like it is just, it's such a beautiful, stunning location when you see it from that angle, that view. And it's like the first time we've seen this backdrop. Like when I was watching, I was like, oh oh, shit, it's almost like I'm watching a new location. It's taken 30 days to finally see a confessional down on the beach, which is where they should have probably done 80% of the bloody confessionals. So um but you're right it's a great sequence we've got the the dance remix music going on oh the yeah, theme, yeah dance remix the first time i've heard
0: that all season is it i think that's the first yeah. time that we we have heard
1: it i believe so yeah and um it's just it's a great little montage of this this you know this fun on the beach and everyone having fun and of course yeah you mentioned it before You you see shona again she she keeps to herself she's sort of like bathing nude in like just like a little pond you see as she's swimming back and forth just in this little pond area it, it's one of the most powerful confessionals I've ever seen on Survivor I I'm a big Shona fan I think listeners know that I, I think she's just for I don't know the, the lady personally but um, watching her on this show I'm fascinated by her I think she's just I, I love I think who Shona is and and how she comes across on TV and this confessional she gives is, is is straight from the heart. She's not she's not trying to do it, you know, to be you know, for TV. She she's just she's speaking from the heart. She she talks about that how she lives in a different world. She she lives in a different world to to a Katie, you know, to a 20, 24 year old Katie or a eighteen year old Jane, you know, or a mother like Sophie. Um you know, she, she talks about how you know, she's never contemplated being married or, or or she doesn't have children and that she's really finding it hard to relate to these women. She she, she, she has that great line that she she's not going down to the, the store to buy her new frock, you know, her, her new clothes. Like, Shona's very different to the other women on this tribe, but she's still – and this is what I love about Shona. She still manages to get herself to the end, despite being so different to all the other females – and she knows it, but she still gets herself in a position to get to the end. And that's why
0: I think she's one of the great players of this game. Couldn't agree more. And not only one of the great players, one of the great characters of this game. And you're right. It's a very emotional confession here because I think kind of a lot of people can relate to that. Like, I can relate to that. I, I know what it's like to to not necessarily get along with a certain type of people. You know, it's kind of we can all relate to that. And it's... It is, it's, it's, and it's very, this, again, the higgledy piggledy editing of this episode, you know, it's, it's sort of, it, it comes down to, this is a great sequence in a very weird mixture of sequences where ultimately we need to be knowing who's going home. And I think kind of this whole, it's to par a battle stations time isn't maybe necessarily sold as much as it should be at this point. But, um, it's a nice sequence. It's, it's a great sequence. And Shona, great. Great person. Uh, I've never talked to her, but I'm saying in terms of what I'm seeing on my screen, great person. Love, love showing it the bits. It reminded me a lot of the confessional Sean gave in all stars right at
1: the start when she, she, she was honest with the camera about how she felt when she lasted 50 days and, and, and lost by one vote to Shane Gould. There, there was that honesty that, that Shan gave in that confessional that it, uh, it really touched your heart. You're like, you, you, a lot of people don't stop and think, well, Okay, someone wins, but what about the person that that got so close and actually lost and and when Sean gave that confessional, you really understood. I think I would have been fascinated to see Shona play again and get that same sort of confessional from Shona about getting to the end, getting so close to winning and then not, like what that would have meant to her and I think hopefully, when we get to talk to Shona, we can ask her that about like the feeling afterwards of of getting to the end but not winning how that how she handled that, how she felt but look Shona she gives great confessionals, she was a great casting this you know we we saw one of the best of all time, the tiddlywinks winks, one we always talk about, but this I think it's it's one of the most power, powerful confessionals I've ever seen.
0: the thing that I love about Australian survivor or well, at least all versions of Kept 2, is the final two. So when we ultimately get to the finale or whenever we kind of get on a little bit of a tangent about runners-up, is that we can ultimately keep that into a pretty succinct club. You know, whereas the US one, you kind of get a bit skewy because you get into final three territory and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, we've had six runners-up of Australian Survivor because ultimately we have a two-time runner-up, a very unique distinction we can say in Australian Survivor. But got to say, every... Runner-up has some strong qualities about him. I would almost say that ranking the runners-up might be more difficult than ranking the winners. I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah, to be honest, I've never really thought about it, but
1: but you're right. Like it's it's something to think about um, because for someone to be a runner-up, you, you've done you've done something credible to get that far. Whether it you know it doesn't matter how you play. I think. You know, Shona's played a different game to say, you know, um, Justin Melvy in, in, in season two. Um, but yeah, it, it, it is fascinating. It, it, people can get to the end playing all different types of games, and uh, you know, look at Baden for instance. Baden got to the end and lost to lost to Pierre Miranda, and Baden nearly went home first vote, you know, um, or first vote of his tribe. So, um, you know. It, it is fascinating. It's a, it's a great topic to talk about, and we will cover it later on. But, um, yeah, I would be interested. I'm looking forward to that when we talk to Shona about, you know, what it, what it feels like to get to the end and not win. And I think, you know, she gives on us answers, especially in these confessionals. And, yeah, I think something I would have liked to have seen that if she got into an All-Stars to get to get that confessional from her about, you know, what it feels like to play again and, and to hopefully,
0: you know, get to the end again. Maybe we could give you some homework because I know how much you love it. But you could come up we could almost like have a remember in high school you actually used to have debating clubs and stuff like that. We can maybe down the line do a what's worse being the first boot or the runner up episode. It, well it's funny you say that. I um, Des Des and
1: I, uh, we posted a photo with with Tara and Lee. Um, we had a we had a catch up. This is going back about two years ago. And uh, we had, we had a big Survivor catch up and it was it was probably the first well, was the first time in Australian Survivor history where two first boots, had been in a photo just by themselves with with two runners-up, and I actually put it on my social media and I I actually put out that question, that exact question you just asked. I said, you know, what's worse, being the first boot or being the runner-up? And and to be honest, like, yeah, okay, they got to play the game a lot longer than the first boot, but they got to the end and didn't win the prize. Like, they didn't get to be the sole survivor. They, they didn't get to win the 500,000. Like a first boot, like myself or Des, we were we were so far away from getting to the end. It's you don't even think about the money or the title because we you know we we came twenty fourth. But to get to the end, I I would be interested to see how I would handle it personally. Getting to the end and not winning, I and, I and I've told you this Ben before. I would have been a thousand times more devastated getting to the end and not winning. That was my biggest dread: is getting to the end and not winning. Being first boot, okay, no one wants to be first boot, but I can handle that. I don't think I could have handled getting to the end and not winning.
0: I actually really can't wait, and we're going to be a long time away from this, talking to Shan. I know we're kind of getting very sidetracked here because we're, we're nowhere near the Channel 10 version, but Shan, to me, is one of the greatest players Australian Survivor has ever played. I don't think she gets any credit for that. And she's also one of the most fascinating people I've ever watched on Survivor. Particularly in All Stars, and I think that her story is forever overshadowed uh, by David winning All Stars, which is a shame. Uh, again, we're getting well sidetracked ahead of ourselves, but I just want to put this on the record: I'm a I'm a mad Shan fan. Um, she might even she might even threaten Queen Jane for the the throne. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she can't touch Queen Katie, but uh, no. anyway, side tangent. Uh, before we get to Tribal, so. Two things I want to talk about. Clearly, we've got to talk about a very important confessional here from Lance, because, again, it's never been replayed at all, ever. Um, Sophie talking this alliance, uh, where she's basically like, I'm in this alliance of four. It's very rare that we've ever heard... Is is this the first time we've ever got them actually to say the A word and say that this is kind of... I know Katie's mentioned it a few times and that, but this is solid, like shown us at the beginning, saying this is the alliance. You know, Sophie now, this is the alliance. She basically is saying, okay... The target was was Joel. He's gone. I'm not going to vote for Jane, but it's also going to be hard to write Lance's name down. So this is actually a very classic, modern day confessional pre-tribal of oh, who's it going to be? It's it's unique, but like just respect to Sophie here because again we we haven't really seen a lot of Sophie gameplay, but I I think she's she's maybe the most underestimated important person of this season in terms of where she's at in this game. And I think we're kind of seeing that now. And clearly she will be part of a big divide in a couple of weeks. But that's one point that I wanted to maybe get you to get your thoughts on and just kind of this little moment, Sophie. But then obviously the Lance confessional. The, I don't believe there are any alliances. I really want to go to the end, little confessional. We played at the very beginning of this episode, of course. Now, I realise we've had a few confessionals of Lance saying this, but this is the one that it's kind of... Shove them out. This is this is like cat in one world. You know, everyone loves a good blindside. You know, aren't they fun to watch? This, this is the the classic Survivor equivalent of it, and it, it kind of it, it bites him in the ass. People obviously have kind of never let this go. We're not going to let it go next week, Lance. We'll have to bring it up. But I, I I genuinely feel for the guy because I don't blame Lance. Lance is the nicest human being that has ever existed, and. I am kind of seeing it from his perspective that why he doesn't believe there's an alliance. So I I legitimately feel bad for him watching this confessional.
1: It does make it hard to defend him, no, Ben. It, it does, and that's I'm gonna I'm I can't wait to talk to Lance. I've never spoken to Lance before. I know I know you have on on other podcasts, but I, I'm I need to know what I need to get to the bottom of how you can play 30 Days of Survivor and still think there's no alliance like to me I'm intrigued I, and and I can't wait I can't wait for him to tell us why he thought that and maybe maybe it was the brilliance of all the other players that they convinced this bloke that there was no alliance and and I can't wait and and hopefully he tells us but I find it hard I really find it hard I find it hard to believe I find it hard to defend him that after 30 days in a
0: game of survival which is out with a play at last you don't know there's alliances. And look, I can definitely see that perspective. But I think you've got to remember that in 2002, this was still a very new thing. I mean, you've got to look at Borneo, I think, as a classic example of this, because it was something that, again, nobody wanted to believe, even when it was so flatly in your face and that, like, Sean, Dr. Sean did not want to believe it. I think it was just, it's it's a personality trait, I think. I think kind of when you're 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 that type of person who just believes the best in people. And Lance is that type of person. Lance will find the positive in every single person, believe in them, no matter who they are, no matter what they are, and doesn't want to believe that anything is wrong in the game, in life. Like there are people, like we all know people who, you know, no matter what is happening outside, they want to believe that there is good out there, no matter what. And I just think that that comes into Lance. And I I totally get your perspective. I totally get that. And, we're, um, we're, you know, Monday morning quarterbacks here on the show. We're, we're literally sitting here going, Lance, how could you be so stupid? Like, what are you doing? But I, I this is where I think I can differ and kind of see inside Lance. That sounded wrong, but you know where I'm going there. That I can see from that perspective that he just genuinely thought this game was purely based on relationships and friendships. And just didn't want to see it from that game perspective. Because, he, again, he's literally here saying, like, I'm going to go to the end because clearly people like me. So what else do I need to do?
1: And that's where you've got to give credit, Ben, to the to the other contestants. There was that great um, little bit of uh, that segment where just after um, he was doing yoga and and Rob was doing his journal, where um, they're they're sitting on a sand dune, Rob, Rob and Lance, and they're just they're chatting and 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 Rob admits, well, he he was sort of putting a little bit of shit on shit on um, on Lance earlier, like in his confessionals and stuff early in the scene, but now he actually like genuinely likes him. He's a nice guy and like. I think like Rob was obviously got along well with Lance and, and Lance clearly felt safe. Like Lance clearly felt the relationship he'd built up with Rob was to that point that not only is it there's Rob's not in alliance or no one else is in alliance, but but they all like him. And I'm not saying they didn't like him. I know they liked him. But that that's where you've got to give credit to someone like Rob, that he can sit there, have this great conversation with Lance early hours of the morning on a sand dune, making him feel like there's absolutely no not any bit of worry. He's not going home. You're safe. You're all good. You're a great bloke. All this. And then
0: all of a sudden he gets voted out. Absolutely. And and it does take a special type of person to play Survivor in that way. Again, particularly at this part of the game. It's It's... It's easy to look at Survivor in two thousand and twenty and know what you've got to go in there to do. Everybody knows going into Survivor that you have to backstab that you have to kind of form alliances and vote people out. it's It's not new information, but back then it was still sold a lot on the survival aspect and the social part, and there wasn't that there was still a lot of people who went into this game. You know, like a Joel, like a Lance, where you you're building this on integrity and being nice and kind of Oh, I don't buy into this, you know, you have to backstab lie cheat and all this kind of stuff to win this game. That's bullshit, you know, it's all this and that. And that it adds to the layers of why we love this game at Dyson. It's 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 it, it's there's no perfect way to win the game. Every single type of winner has a different way that they've won the game. Yeah, there's some similarities to each of them, but you have your ones who you would argue are coming out with their integrity in place and others who are coming out as the most devious dicks in the world. And and that's where I commend Lance. Cause like Lance, it's, it's weird to say that Lance could have won the game playing how he is like, like he could have like, like Rob could have just gone, well, Lance and Joel are going to come to the end with me because, you know, look at them. They're, they're dumb as dog shit. I can easily control them. They think I'm everyone's best friends. I'm going to walk to a win. Lance wins final immunity. He goes, oh, fuck, I can't beat Rob. I'm going to take Joel. And then it's a Lance-Joel final too. And he probably would have taken Joel. Um, yeah. So
1: you're 100%. Anyone can win this game, bet. Any strategy can win. Um, it just, you know, it, it. The like I said, Lance, he went in there. They cast him as the guy that was the nice guy that was going to, you know, play it as it is. You know, he wasn't going to be deceiving. He wasn't going to do what Rob's doing, the scamming, the scheming. Uh, that's, that's why he got on the show. They cast him like that. Those players can win. It just, it just, it's like I said, but it is hard to defend him. And I keep coming back to this w- one confessional. And he had, and, and it's a shame that they only gave him one confessional in this episode. But when, when they only give him one and that one on day 30 is he still doesn't think there's alliances, it, it, it makes
0: it so hard to defend him. It really does. Look, I, I, it's going to be a, very, a fascinating interview next week with Lance because I I have kept up a, a pretty good friendship with Lance over the, the couple of years since I've known him, uh, getting him back on the Oz Network a few years ago. And the guy is exactly what you you think he is. He's just so goddamn nice. He, he. I don't think there's a person on this planet who would say a bad word about Lance. And we're kind of jumping ahead a little bit here because we're going to eulogize him in a sec because we haven't actually quite got to his vote out. But y- you can't not help. And I'm smiling right now, thinking of Lance, because this this is a guy that would do anything for you. And yeah, i I, I definitely see your perspective where it's hard to defend him. absolutely. like i, I I'm not going to sit here and say you're wrong because I think this is a case of you interpret a person differently and you can buy into how they're doing things differently. i th- I think that's just what it comes down to ultimately here, and I, I see all angles of it. And, and I'm not and I'm not having a go at Lance about
1: how he played. Uh, you know, yes, I wish that he was more aware of the the alliances, of course, but if he wanted to go in there playing that honest game, there's nothing wrong with that. That can win you the game. That's If that's him and that's how he wants to play the game, he's got every right to do that. And I, do, and I don't mind seeing a player on a season. It's not, I don't, it's not the player that I like to watch play Survivor, but I do like to have at least one of them on every season. So I've got no problem. Like, I'm not having a go at Lance. I'm just saying, you know, when we sit here, it's his vote-out episode, you know, when you... That what makes it hard. That's all I'm pointing out.
0: Do you have anything to add on what I brought up a little second ago about Sophie's sort of little moment here, where she's kind of cause I, I don't know, like I just it's one of these it's one of these moments that I don't think really is important. Let's be honest, but I just I just appreciate it kind of for what she's what she's saying here because again i I like to see these moments where we get in a little bit of the mind of these people this is something that ultimately i don't think we ever got with karen too much and at that point when karen was in the game i could have said sophie's maybe the other one i don't really know what she's doing out there but now i feel we're getting a little bit of an insight into her so it's just a little moment i i just wanted to point out
1: we're definitely learning more about sophie it's a shame it's Come right at the back end of this season, but uh, it has been good these last two episodes. We've we've definitely learnt more about she is playing the game,
0: what type of game she's playing, and um, yeah, it's just a shame we didn't get to see more of it earlier on. One moment too, I do like is uh, just before we go to tribal is uh, you know Jane Queen Jane here she is uh, with a little nobody feels safe line that probably would have gone into their weekly promo on Channel Nine, but I just love the random little Joel moment where he's like, oh yeah, I've had a head spin, and then it's kind of silent, and he goes, oh, shit. Uh, like it's just—it's a subtle little moment. It's just—it's just really, I, again, weirdly edited episode. But I just love the editing of this bit. Where he's like, "Oh, sorry, I got a head spin." Oh shit! <laughs>
1: <laughs> just the way he and does it. They give him a confessional down on the beach as well.
0: Where were these beach bloody confessionals? Yeah, oh, God, they—they they look stunning. Stephen Peters was frothing at the bit this episode. He's like, "Fuck! Finally, oh. thirty days in. This is yeah. paying off." He was probably in a bikini.
1: Yeah,
0: I'd pay to see it. Hang on, Steve. Um, A a mankini. A mankini. Again, we've said this every week, tribal, nothing huge to talk about. Um, You know, the questions going on here. Craig comes in looking fresh there. Craig, Naomi looking good too. Uh, You mentioned before kind of slightly uncomfortable to hear Rob talking a little bit about his son there, obviously. Um, We learned from Shona they're down to their last fishing hook. Cool. Uh, this is the one glaring bit here, though, uh, you know, Lincoln obviously talked a little bit about kind of, you know, getting handed the questions and kind of this, that, and everything else. And if, if you're an editor reader, like you read the edit, sorry, you know, Lincoln's question to Lance, hey, Lance, so you feel like you'll be around for a while, do you, buddy, old champ, old collar? You're going to be around a little bit longer, what do you think? If,
1: if you're getting asked that question at Tribal, your head is, is is in the noose I'm telling you right now If you'll get Any Tip for anyone That's going to play this game If they're asking you that question you, You're
0: about to get it Chopped off And then you go Alright we're going to come up With a new scale on this show You have Lance Brooks As in the Calm Cool Whatever happens Happens scale To the Matt Dyson You're a dickhead You're a dickhead You're all Dickheads Wake up and play their game Dickheads Ben I said Everyone goes
1: on Playing a different game So <laughs>
0: Oh, I can't wait till we get to your episode. Um, You thought our Craig interview the other week was long. Wait till you get to the two-week stretch where we recap Matt's boot, and then I will be sitting here interviewing him for however long it takes for me to... I don't know, do what. But um, anyway, but yeah... um, Katie talking about things having changed at this point in the game, about how they have to... I, I like that line, though, from Katie, where she says, like, oh, we have to vote each other off, otherwise we'd still be here forever playing the game. There's a thought. Great and all one. Whale Whaler's way 18 years later, still playing there. Um, so then we kind of get to the votes. Joel votes for Jane, kind of gives her a bit of shit. You've got the least contribution getting us this far. Uh, Lance voting for Shona, uh, saying, I admire your integrity Um but, you know, not going to get to the end of the game And Shona saying to, about Lance She works for Lance uh, There's no justice, it's very hard to make this vote uh, And basically Lance goes Our very first Australian survivor Blindside Poor Lance um, And apparently Joel A little bit upsets two vote outs in a row Oh, well, two out of the last three I should say Where uh, somebody's having A bit of a Simon and Garth Uncle, Hello darkness my old friend moment there And
1: Lincoln's back to his best. He gives a great line. He says, maybe a surprise for Lance tonight, maybe a few surprises to come.
0: (laughs) Great, great little line. I love it. I love these natural little lines. Again, wait till we get to Channel 10 and I'll be every episode talking about JLP's fourth little one-liners at the end. But, um, yeah, so the vote was Uh, 5-1-1. Bye-bye, Lance. This will be the last time that three people get votes in a tribal council this season. So there you go, fun little fact. Uh, before we eulogise Lance um, next week, uh, Rob scamming. There's a family thing, and somebody nearly dies next week. So, uh, uh, gonna say challenge next week. A lot better. We get Rap and Joel. We can't. Uh, we can't not like. And we get what do we get next week? Next week is giving me, me bloody Boat back episode.
1: I've been waiting for this episode <laughs> since we started this podcast. Yes, Ben. It's. everyone's at their best in this episode, but uh, yeah, I can't wait for that challenge. There's there's cherry ripes going everywhere. There's, but uh, don't forget Joel. He gives his word to Rob next episode. This is where, this is where it all begins.
0: Yeah. Maybe the, the biggest episode of the season next week. I mean, we said that a few times, but you're absolutely right. Yeah. That the Joel deal is happening this week. The key moment of this season let's Let's point this out right now. This is the moment that will set the win up for Rob is next week Joel's little deal. Um, so it's a big episode next week. Uh, when we say next week, we obviously mean a fortnight's time for us recapping it. Next week, of course, we're going to be having Lance on the show. Now, let's eulogize Lance. I, I, we should have talked about this in pre production. I could have been editing this out, but fuck it, I'm going to say this right now. I don't have the book with me, so, uh, I can't really read a lot of, uh, Lance's eulogy bits here. I mean, you've got it in front of you there if you want to kind of scroll through it. Uh, just putting you on the spot there. But, you know, Lance. First ever person to be blindsided. Uh, great guy. We've already gone over a lot of this stuff. But um, just... I think at the end of the day, you remember Lance. Like Lan- Lance is maybe someone you shouldn't remember. I feel like he's kind of just a guy who's there and is kind of, you know, i oh, cool, Lance. But he's still remembered for this, this key moment, this, this confessional that has tainted him. You know, oh, I don't believe there's any alliances. He actually only ended up with 19 confessionals, which... You look at people who got more than him. Your man, David, and props to you, Matt Dyson. We're more than an hour and a half into this episode. No mention of David Haas. Well done. Uh, 20 to David... (laughs) Deb got 22, Karen 24, Naomi 23. So people who lasted less time than him got more confessionals. The only other person moving forward here, Jane will end up with 19 the same time when she's voted out next week. And then a significant more for uh, Sophie, Katie, Joel, Shona and Rob. So not a lot of airtime for for Lansimus, But um, yeah, you still remember him, I feel. That's crazy to think that uh, David, who lasted nine
1: days, got, what, double the amount of confessionals and someone that lasted 30 days. Yeah, yeah. It,
0: I mean, there, so, there's your man. There's your man crush. <laughs> you know, again, we haven't uh, mentioned him this week.
1: So in Lance's final words, he mentions, and it, this is another, this it, just shows, I mean, just it speaks volumes of uh, of Lance. He, he mentions that he doesn't have a worse memory out there and he doesn't have any negative anything negative to think about. He enjoyed it so much. Uh, there won't be any negative memories to take away from the experience and that he admits is a little bit shocked that he, he was voted out today but um, basically that's what happens and uh, he wanted to get to the end but it's, it's part of the game so he, he took it like a man he, he was blindsided um, like you said the first blindside in Australian Survivor history now I've got the book here Ben now this is normally what you do I'm the guy that reads out the challenge mail Come on. Well, say, hey, this hey is like your- I, it
0: was it was my fault. I didn't ask you to send the pictures to me uh, to put me on the spot here. My significant other still has not arrived into Canada. At least at the time of recording this, she has my copy of the book with her. So uh, it wasn't something that I didn't think I would need, uh, given that I thought she was going to be joining me only a few days later. Fast forward nearly two months later, but uh, I, I've put you on the spot. Why, why? I will just if you want to quickly skim through here. I've got. Luke Dennehy's form guide in front of me so I can, I can give you a bit of a chance if you'd rather me do this. You, you beat me
1: to it. I was just about to say you better at least have that form guide. But no, I'll go through it. So um, so Lance's luxury item was a prayer book. His personal item was a green fleecy jumper. And what pisses him off? What do you reckon pisses Lance off, Ben?
0: Um, burning his toast.
1: No, it's people bullying other people. Of course, yes. Of course. I thought you might actually get that. But uh, his favourite colour is blue. Favourite game, hey, cricket. That's my favourite game. He loves cricket, loves golf. And um, what's some others here? Favourite breakfast, he likes wheat beaks. Favourite vegetable. Classic. Potato. Oh, favourite snack food, he likes kettle chips. Oh, Well, it would probably be Lay's chips now. No, he
0: would well, he'll probably be Lay's now. He did bandwidth. promote the Lay's chip. He did. He did like that new sour cream and uh, onion flavor, didn't he? That new flavor from it, Lay's. He did. He did.
1: Favorite t- TV show? This is a blast from the past. I love this show, The Dump.
0: Oh, the, that was Roy H G. Roy, Roy, Roy H yeah. G. Brilliant,
1: brilliant show. Lance. Yes, I'm Um He's got favorite actor is Robert De Niro. So maybe if they ever do a. Movie on Whaler's Way, Robert De Niro will play Lance. Favourite actress, Meryl Streep. Yep. Um, oh, favourite band, Nick Cave. Okay. And his favourite magazine is Whatever My Wife Is Reading, but it was probably ended up being one of those Who Weeklies or whatever Craig was <laughs> showing his bot in. Probably end up being that one. Who knows? Everyone's favourite
0: magazine, let's be honest. Oh, that was everyone's favourite magazine, 2002. thousand two. Don't. Sadly, uh, we might need to dig up to see if Lance made, uh, you know, Cleo Bachelor of the Year or something in the next uh, week or so. But, um, yeah, Luke Dennehy, pros completed the Hawkesbury 114 and fourteen kilometre kayaking marathon many times determined. Cons describes himself as honest, which could be a drawback. Uh, he actually got the second lowest rating, so... Your man David, of course, got the lowest rating at two and a half. But uh, four contestants got a three-star rating. Lance was one of them. The others being Sophie, Tim, and Sylvan. Uh, But... Yeah, Lance, I, I think that's a few things that you don't really see with Lance in this season. Um, Yeah, the, the fitness thing, like very, very fit man. He's 40 years old going into this season, so he could definitely hold his own up, I think, as well. And it's interesting, you mentioned like the prayer book. I, the first time actually this episode I ever noticed, he's got like a cross around his neck. So, um, you know, a, a man of faith, clearly, Lance. And not saying anything against that at all, but it's kind of, it's it's one of these things that, um, you know, let's think back to Borneo, the very first season of US Survivor. And and Dirk was kind of, his edit was around his his religion. Uh, I'm not sure if maybe Lance didn't speak about it as much as Dirk did because clearly it rubbed a few people the wrong way on Borneo that Dirk spoke about it so much. But um, interesting, it's, it's something that I didn't really, like I don't really connect the dots with with Lance having watched this edit. Again, don't know if that's a deliberate thing by the editors or Lance just kept it quiet, but there you go.
1: With that form guide, that
0: journalist, do you reckon
1: he's, he would have sat down with all – I'm assuming he did sit down with all the 16 contestants prior to him starting the game and just getting his own opinion. I know like when I played the game, I had to sit down like a couple of days before the show while I was in Fiji. We had to sit down with like a few journalists and they would ask all these questions and stuff. So I would be, I'd be interested to know whether that was based on his just a first impression of talking – because I want to know why, why, he, why did he give David Haas a two-and-a-half rating like, did he just not like the guy from? Was he a bit like Craig? that He just didn't gel with David
0: Haas. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm interested to know why he got such a low rating. Maybe, maybe Luke Dennehy's uh, actually Craig's alias, not uh, whatever Craig told us <laughs> last last week. Or Craig so. would
1: have given him a point five, and that's only because it couldn't be zero; it wasn't allowed to be zero. Yeah.
0: I mean, look, any again, any final things you want to add on, on Lance? Um. No, I think.
1: Yeah, it, he, he probably got a little bit lucky that he was in the in a tribe where they only went to tribal council once I think you know he he did great to last 30 days but you know playing playing the style of game he did it can either get you to the end or it can get you out very early and um, you know he, he was fortunate enough to be in a tribe that uh, you know in 30 days you know he I mean, he went to tribal councils when when the merge, obviously, with Aurora. But he was never going to get voted out in that stage, is the way the game went. But to only to have to go to one tribal in that initial part of the game, you know, was probably ended up being pretty lucky for Lance. But uh, look, he he was cast for a reason. He he was he was on there to be the honest bloke. He he, he ended up doing that the whole way through. It didn't get him to win, but, like, you've got to give credit. Anyone that last 30 days uh, in a game of Survivor has done something right, and I'm sure Lance did plenty of things right. And, uh, you know, it's a shame that he only got um, 11 confessionals. It would have been good to see a, another side to Lance. Like, what else does he have to offer? But, um, yeah, it's it's going to be a very interesting chat and uh, one that I, I'm definitely looking forward to.
0: 19 confessionals just to be that guy who's going to correct you there quickly. But, um yeah. It's No, he's going to be a good chat, and uh, he's a great guy, Lance, and very much looking forward to, to chatting. Because uh, he's also got a very interesting story outside of Survivor, like sort of what he's up to now and what he's done uh, in the 18 years since. And just a bit of a teaser too, Lance has basically been the, the main guy who's kept in contact with a lot of these cast members as we're sort of learning a lot through talking to everybody that not many of these people have kept in touch, sadly, over the years. But But Lance is kind of the glue who sort of has, I mean, let's be honest, Lance has hooked us up with a couple of people and helped us with some interviews. So yeah, uh, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. And and one thing too, unique aspect for Lance, as far as I know, the only ever survivor player in the world to be called Lance. So, you know, Lance lot, the great, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. It's, it's, a, I, I, it's a weird thing that I like. I don't know about you, but like, I mean, you've got a common name. There's been a few mats who've played survivor there's been a few Bens who have played Survivor, you know, it's kind of, we're not in that unique category, but I don't think we're ever going to have a Shoner again. You know, I don't think we're ever going to have a Sylvan again. We're probably never going to have a Shawnee, you know, it's kind of Fenella, like these sort of unique names that I I kind of, I'd love to be a contender. Maybe if I ever get cast, I'm going to call myself like Table or something. like that. I don't know. Like I just looked at a table. That was the first thing I saw. Uh (laughs) You, 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 You would be simply known as Waterworth. Yeah, no, I'd be proud of that i'd i'd want probes to give me a last name it, 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 the old Cochrane. um it's funny though because when they
1: they asked you in production like before you go out there they say what name do you want to be known as so they wanted to know was it was it matthew was it matt and i thought about it and i thought no i just put matt and i actually said i said oh because i know it's obviously a common name i said oh you know if there's a if there's a another matt or matthew out there um you know, I'll just go by my last name because you know, going through high school, work, and all that, they just get called Dyson. So I would have been happy just being called Dyson throughout the show. Um, but they never said anything; they were just happy to say, "Okay, Matt." And then I get out there, and of course, I see Matt Rogers, and I should I should have just said right from then. I should have said I'd when when uh, JLP asked me, I should have said, "Yep, yeah, Dyson." But uh, that that's actually one of my regrets. I, I probably once I saw Matt Rogers, I should have just gone under my surname. But uh, you kind of get. Um, there's so many bloody mats
0: playing these days, it's, it gets all confusing. Well, you're one of four who's played Australian Survivor, of course. But on the, on the Dyson thing, do you ever get called like a vacuum cleaner? Do you get told that you suck or anything <laughs> like that? <laughs> well, you, you'll you probably call me that when you recap my uh, my episode. Hey, then. there we go. Bradley brought to you by our good friends at Dyson because Matt sucks. <laughs> there we go. Look at that. How it sells. Uh, you could actually shit. be a spokesperson for Dyson. You could literally be like, hey, Dyson, my name's, last name's Dyson and I suck. <laughs> At Survivor. Well, we we have seen
1: we've seen the bloody the ads that Jeff Brown was doing. Uh, after he got out, he he was hitting up all these ads and, you know, doing ads for water and or was it Organic Harvest and stuff. So, uh, hey, who who knows? I could have
0: been doing stuff for the vacuum cleaners. And I could do ads for water. I could tell them how much it's worth. You know. So It's it's pretty simple Uh, It's always a lot of fun Bringing these episodes to you As we mentioned next week We will have Lance Brooks On the show To chat to you About his time On Australian Survivor In the meantime Thanks to everyone Who's been tuning in The last few weeks I've obviously had a great Couple of interviews In the last week Or so uh, With with Craig and Jeff, uh, we're glad you very much enjoyed them. We've enjoyed bringing them to you, getting some great content from both of them, and yeah, we're we're still obviously going strong with season one Whalers Way. Got plenty of exciting things to come, and uh, I'm very much looking forward to it. As as always, like us on Facebook, follow us Twitter, subscribe all the relevant channels, Instagram as well. Help us get to. 500 on any of our pages now. Matt's opened that door, of course. We say this every single week. So if you get us to 500 on either Instagram, on Facebook, or Twitter, Matt will swing on a vine. And if you get us to 1,000, he will finally reveal this tape. I think, I think, Matt, that once we eventually... we've got to, I think you need to set a deadline for these, right? And then we all of a sudden have to say, okay, it's been this long. I will combine all of them. Ben, you know I love dropping bombshells on this podcast. I can't
1: just let people know what it's going to be. I've we we set the original amount. If if I end up bringing that forward, well, you will find out on a bombshell
0: announcement on this podcast. I, I tell you what, I I I have maybe two audition tapes that I did. I I've applied. I've applied three times. Maybe I've got three. I don't know. I I will kind of, I have to gamble with them. Mine aren't bad. Mine are just stupid. I mean, one of my audition tapes literally has a US contestant in it, which I'll just kind of tease out that. But, um, I don't know. I'm more intrigued for yours, because this was like 18 years ago. I, I mean, I would love to see your one that got you onto Channel 10, to be honest, but I mean, maybe that can be something that we can post when we get to your episode, but I don't think people will really want to see mine. I didn't get on the show, so who gives a shit? <laughs> Could I... No, I want to see it. Especially,
1: you're saying yours isn't bad. My original one from 2001, it's fucking bad, Ben. Well, clearly
0: mine weren't good either. I mean, I didn't get on the show, so... (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it mine's terrible, but yeah, we'll wait. We'll let's see what happens. We, sure, I've still, to, I've still got to track down
0: Ben Dark first. That's well, actually, Sunday that's mission. that's our biggest problem. Actually, I, I tell you one thing. I might even dangle this little carrot in front of your eyes. I might have my Big Brother audition tape. The one time I applied for Big Brother, which involved me in a blow up doll, so. How about I dangle that little one out in front of you? That's probably the jo- oh. I don't even know if I've got that anymore. But, like, if I do, I have not seen that in forever. So um, Find it, Ben. Find it. Yeah. And, and we're, we're still, up until this point, we're still looking for
1: for ads of KFC ads for Sylvan. Yes. There's, there's things we're looking for. We're, we're looking for things. So we're still looking for the ads. The Wheel of Fortune, bloody carryover champ, Sylvan.
0: Matt, let's gamble our lives on this. If somebody finds us, a Sylvan Dorney KFC ad Wheel of Fortune or that other show that he was on in the 80s we will release one of the audition tapes how does that sound absolutely turn? okay deal done deal. and not just mine done. Matt Dyson's as well look at that yep he's great. If, hey if, if we get a Sylvan Dorney KFC ad or a
1: Wheel of Fortune episode or what, what was that original show he was on? Dare or Double
0: Dare or something? Double, yeah, I think that's what it was called. Something like
1: that. If we get any of that, I'll, I'll
0: release it. That's a, Okay, add that onto the list. And there you go. Perfect. Done. All right. Everyone, thanks for tuning in. This has been a lot of fun. You are tuning into Australian Survivor Archives. Of course, uh, we will be back next week, as I mentioned. My name is Ben, and I'm going to go enjoy some afternoon tea.
1: My name's Matt Dyson, and it's time for me to find the honeypot. How does it make you feel? Well, it actually makes me feel alright because if I have to burn her at the end of the day, I've got something up my
0: sleeve as an excuse. So if I give you a great big hug... Yeah. ..that would be really nice. You're a good boy. You're a naughty girl. I'm not naughty. He's naughty. It's all because of Craig. I think he's a creep. I don't necessarily 100% believe Katie. I know that either way she's going to be bent apart if I do, you know, burn her. Joel, I don't know, he does this thing with his nose, like he'll blow his nose with his hands just before we're about to serve rice and we all scoop our rice out. Makes me sick. Oh, 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 guys, 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 guys. It drives me oh, up the yeah. wall. Jane does very little towards catching any food or cooking any food. There's a whale out there. I've never yeah. seen a whale. Oh this is God. the most amazing observation of people I've ever been, you know, thrown in front of.
1: Sorry mate, I've just got a massive head spin, I can't move. So it's all happening, stay tuned.
0: Land on the mark as often as can be, and you'll be sitting down Before for afternoon tea. Hey Rob, good job, yeah. buddy. I'm not a high five problem. No,
1: oh, you should shake hands then. I'm really struggling with Joe at the moment. The giddy ups mm. and the high fives, yuck. Even that dad, we bugs us all, and so when he says,
0: "Giddy up, giddy up."
1: I've been me, yuck. yuck. Welcome to an immunity challenge that will get you thinking about things you probably take for granted. Weight, length, temperature, volume and time. First stage is, bring me an object that weighs one kilo. Okay, stage two. This time, I want something that is one meter long. Stage three. This time, you're judging time. This time, it's volume. Oh,
0: no.
1: I've got a thermometer. Yes, sir. Okay, guys, down to two. This time, you're going to guess each other's weight. <sighs> Shit.